This is Free Talk Live, and you are invited to take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231 as we kick off another week of fun and excitement, the final week of 2009. Uh, tonight, it's Ian with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got all the features on the site there for free for you. In fact... It's my understanding that at some point this week, we're going to be flipping over to our brand new site, which I am pretty excited about, considering it's been in the works since the summertime. Uh, Our technical team has been busily putting together what I think is a stellar upgrade to... It's a great-looking site. uh, ...to the Free Talk Live. You can get to the freetalklive.com site. I guess we might as well call it Free Talk Live 2.0, because... We're finally getting into Web 2.0 here, where uh, it's more of a, an interactive, uh, community-based uh, site. Yes. That's great. Yeah, so wow. it's it's uh, it's cool. And you can get a preview over at prep.freetalklive.com. That's prep.freetalklive.com. But if that's broken right now, well, there's still some changes being made to it. Uh, and, and, of course, after we make the flip, there are going to be some bugs that need to be ironed out. And hopefully you'll be able to help us with that. We'll have a little bug reporting thing and, and everything. But it's it's pretty sharp. I think it looks great as is. It's been in the works for a while. I know that, it as has. you said. And uh, you hear little touches here and there. Yeah. Hopefully I didn't jinx anything by announcing it this early. But at some point here this week, we'll be... Uh, Flipping the switch uh, to uh, FTL 2.0. Anyway, freetalklive.com, we give you all the features there for free, and it will still be that way when we make the uh, make the flip. We're going to take your phone calls about absolutely anything tonight. That's what we always do on this program. And uh, we're going to start things out here with the big news. And we don't always cover the big news on this show, but this is big news. It's right up Free Talk Live's alley. The new travel regulations. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yeah. They're well, keeping we have you to be safe. Kept, kept safe. There's that, right. that Nigerian guy that uh, was on the planes and what stuff. What a Christmas gift. Yeah. I'm telling you, Santa just thrust that one down our proverbial security chimney. Now, according to the Agitator blog over at theagitator.com, Radley Balco, uh, so in response to the attempted terror attack over Christmas, the TSA will be apparently adopting a new policy of prohibiting passengers from moving during the last <laughs> hour of a flight. Also, no pillows or blankets during the last hour. In addition to keeping with its usual uh, with its usual tradition of making policy on a reactionary basis, this one wouldn't even have done anything to prevent the attempt over the weekend. The guy was in his seat when he tried to light the explosive device. And yeah, I can't imagine what they're trying to prove with no blankets and pillows the last hour of a flight. Yeah. The passenger who confronted the man got out of his seat in order to do it. Also, if the goal was to bring the plane down from the air, why add restrictions for the last hour of the flight? Seems to me that what this, Flight 93 and the Richard Reed incident have shown us, is the best line of defense against airplane-based terrorism is us. Alert, aware, informed passengers. The TSA, on the other hand, equates hassle with safety. For all the crap they put us through, this guy still got some sort of explosive on the plane from Amsterdam. He was stopped by law-abiding passengers. So TSA responds to all of this by announcing plans to hassle more passengers even more. So if you're really cynical, you could make a good argument that they're really only interested in the appearance of safety. And I think that that's pretty much what we've been pointing out on this show for as long as I can remember. It's all image. It's the same thing with most of the most of the even the local police officers that you get. They can't be everywhere. People are the ones who stop most of the crimes in the regular uniform police world. They the individual citizen takes care of it. And on this flight, 
the thing that really gets me is that this guy was able to get aboard the flight, and afterwards, Janet Napolitano actually has the gall to say, the system worked. <laughs> In other words, then she continues and says, well, yeah, the system worked. The citizens did their part. It's <laughs> like, ah! ah! It's absolutely crazy. I mean, it's it insanity. The it system is crazy. did not work. <laughs> it certainly didn't work, and it can't work. The, the guy was honest. Wait a minute. The system guys. is working just fine. The system is uh, acclimating Americans to the idea that they can be stopped and searched to any extreme on the flimsiest of pretenses. I mean, that's what the system is doing, and it's that's working true. fairly well at that. Well, that's the, true. the no-fly list, which this guy was on, apparently didn't work. That's um, for sure. His father approached the U.S. Embassy and said, uh, I think my son is getting a little loose nut action. He's hanging out with some radical imams, and they put him on the list. I thought he was on the watch list, not he the no on, list. He was on the watch list. Okay, the watch but, list, whatever. But he should not evidently have gotten a visa to come to the United mm. States based on the government paradigm. Well, um, and let's not forget that I was in, uh, you know, I was in, on vacation while this all occurred, and they did a very good job going through all the crap um, that, that, you know, you have to bring when you bring a child on a plane. So uh, the, the, the TSA has done a fine job going through you know, domestic flyers right here, American citizens hassling them, making it difficult to fly, if, if um, this... making it difficult for the airlines to make money because they're they're dissuading people from flying domestically. Uh, that, you know, that, that what they're doing is, in fact, the opposite of what they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be making it safe to fly when they're just dissuading people from flying. If this issue, if this one issue doesn't get people, I mean, hey, you had 9-11 and the CIA and FBI, which are supposedly there and have, you know, extracting our money for our protection, this giant protection racket that we call government, takes our money. If they couldn't actually communicate to cite the 9-11 guys before they decided to take down the Twin Towers and kill 3,000 people, go after the Pentagon and kill those people who ended up crashing out in Pennsylvania. If the government couldn't stop those guys, then they amp up, they get more money, they unionize the TSA, they stop you from even bringing on a half-full toothpaste container, which I have rolled up, which now contains the proper amount of fluid substance, Mm -hmm. but the actual package is too big. These guys are not at all interested and actually serving the customers, which the airlines would be. Sure, because you could go somewhere else. Exactly. If you had a private paradigm for this, then the airlines would have to make sure that they took care of security procedures properly with an eye for the customer and had things that were effective. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to get insurance to get into the air. Because it's not just the people in the air who would be threatened, but it would be people on the ground who would be threatened by a falling plane. This this system, what do you think is going to happen? Are they going to get less money or more money at the oh, TSA? Oh, more. They need more. They need more training and more bureaucrats, clearly. The, only, the government is the only organization that can fail consistently, mind you, but fail and then get more funding. It's it's incredible. If this thing doesn't wake people up, then I don't know what will. But we had the 9-11 attack, <laughs> and that take? didn't do it. In fact, they got more people ginned up. And now I'm sure we're going to start hearing people saying, well, you know, the problem is the cultural, the cultural openness of those people, those those crazy Dutch. 
They let these crazy people in. He got on a plane in in Holland and he flew I over he was here. in Nigeria. Well, he's a Nigerian, but he got and on a plane in Amsterdam. Amsterdam. I see. So obviously, it's it's those crazy, wacky Netherlandish, the Dutch. Those people are the problem, and they, they just have too many Muslims in the country. And again, you've got to ask this question. Look, let's get to the nut of this thing. We've got an overlayer of frosting on this cake of government bureaucracy that doesn't serve anybody's security and just binds them up and makes them take longer to get into the, to the planes. Four hours early you have to arrive now, Janet Napolitano. I Not to mention jacks up the price of the tickets. Absolutely, and screws up the airlines so that the airlines look like the bad guys when connecting flights don't arrive on time because the stinking TSA people have people lined up for a quarter mile at mm-hmm. places like Logan Airport, which happened to me when I tried to get into into England one time. <laughs> so you've got a system that doesn't even get people out to the private airlines, which are waiting to try to get get whatever remains of some sort of a market that they can get after it's put through this, this government crapshoot that they've got. Then they the, that's the, the, the icing over it. Then you've got the overall problem, which is that they gin fear up and they say, well, you know, we got to fight terrorism. They're trying to bring us down. Well, you're going to see more of these types of things if you keep trying to fight the so-called war on terror by attacking Absolutely. innocent people in Afghanistan and Iraq and Pakistan. That's why the terrorism happens. Exactly. It's blowback from the aggression of the United States federal government. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm going off here, man. You guys got me totally charged up. Oh, that's up. right. That's why we like having you here. And here's a question for all the conservatives <laughs> out there. Mark's just sipping his tea. Dude, I'm telling you. It, these conservatives say, well, they want to bring America America down. What exactly do you mean? Will you question your words for once and say, what do you mean by destroy America, bring America down? Hmm. What do you mean? Yeah, that's a great question. They don't have an Air Force, an Army, a Navy. What are they going to do? All right, more coming up here. Uh, You can bring up whatever you want. It's Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Carnation Evaporated Milk, the cooking milk that makes life richer. For rich and creamy recipes, visit us at thecookingmilk.com. We all have our roster of recipes, but eating the same dishes over and over becomes boring. Instead of throwing them out and starting from scratch, play with different ingredients to give new flavor to old standards. Try Thai spices instead of your usual Italian seasonings. That just might do the trick. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you all the features on the site for free, and those include our chat room. You can head over to chat dot freetalklive.com and get interactive with other free talk live listeners they're in their best time of course is during our live show hours and uh, for a little while after the show at chat.freetalklive.com looking to uh, get some gold and silver into your collection maybe start your gold and silver collection good place to do it gold.freetalklive.com from british sovereigns to 20 francs to the lakota silver uh one ounce piece which i just ordered a number of i think they are very special i got them in recently and I'm I think they're pleased. the most attractive uh, piece out there right they're now beautiful. that's being produced. Really I'll have nice. to bring them down yeah. for you here, Mark. But the Montana Reserve is a, is a pretty it's a pretty neat looking piece, and uh, it's, a, it's a little it's less a little costly. cheaper too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can go to gold.freetalklive.com. We've got gold and silver there, and great prices. When I looked around for other prices on the Lakota, this was the best I could find. Yep. So uh, gold.freetalklive.com. 
as we continue here uh, to discuss what happened over the weekend as security's been ramped up. According to the AFP, beleaguered U.S. air passengers faced a slew of new travel woes on Sunday. Merry Christmas. Now you get to wait. That's insane. Uh, as ramped up airport security following a thwarted Christmas Day terror attack, compounded delays from back-to-back record-setting snowstorms, air travelers were told Sunday to check in four hours ahead of their scheduled departure times. Now, I traveled on Saturday. They didn't say such a thing. And that was the day after. I mean, it just it, the government's so ponderously slow at what they yes. do, it actually takes them 48 hours to react to a terror, uh, t- a terror attack, and, and assuming that's what this really Janet is. Janet Napolitano, in being questioned on ABC, said, we're responding like lightning. <laughs> really slow lightning that travels <laughs> like... <laughs> 48 hours to hit the ground. While bomb-sniffing <laughs> what, dogs. What a bunch of rubes. I mean, and, and who's the bigger rubes? These people that are running this or the people that are letting them do it? Well, and, and one more thing. I don't, I don't want to jump in no, too much because right. I know you're in the middle of the story there, Ian. But what really ticks me off are the brilliantine sophists who sit there and look at people like us and just categorize us as numbskull complainants. That we're just out there to complain because we're being inconvenienced. Yeah, it's for the good of the country, Gardner. Shut and, up. And you know what? Bend over. And you know what? Even if we were that superficial because we were being inconvenienced, that's a perfectly damn justified reason to say, screw you, let me be free for God's sake, yeah. and deal with private people who can provide private security for private airlines and private insurance companies that to, to whom they've got to answer in order to fly. That's how the innovation's going to come about if we're going to have it. It's certainly not going to be uh, happening or occurring under this particular scenario because the federal government is in complete control, exactly. and anything that an airline does has to be within their purview and their boundaries and their rules. Exactly, and it just just so happens that people like us and other libertarians out there who are talking about this, like Radley that you mentioned at the beginning of the show, they understand the history and the lineage of corruption that brought about the Federal Aviation Administration, where even where some of the airports are located, and the control of the air routes by the federal government, which shouldn't happen under what they call the Constitution – and has happened because politicians from FDR on have handed out money to various cities to build airports, and they have encroached like little spider webs to take over this whole system and screw it up. So the uh, AFP story continues. Bomb-sniffing dogs were apparently visible over the weekend at airports across the country, and U.S. Uh, once, ab- once on board their flights, many passengers were told they would be unable to hold coats or blankets in their laps and would not be allowed to enter aircraft restrooms for the last hour of their flights. Passengers are reportedly being told to expect additional airport pat-downs and gate security checks. So are they they're just going to be randomly patting down people now in the gate area while you're waiting? They're still getting the old people. I saw that one on ABC last night. Old white-haired woman with a pink shirt on must have been an octogenarian and she was getting nailed. New measures uh, followed the botched Christmas Day attack. Man was accused of trying to bring down a Northwest Airlines flight by detonating explosive material sewn into his underwear. 
You know, this is a, another. Um, you know, this this brings to mind this this nonsense with uh, confiscating water bottles. They have to confiscate oh, water yeah. bottles because otherwise, the TSA agents really wouldn't have anything to do, to take. Because it's got to <laughs> feel bad to go through people's stuff and not be able to take things. Well, um, you know, they 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 stopped the the nail clipper thing, so they had well, to have and, something to take. And that's the thing, Mark. Remember when they when they when they moved on to the water bottles and the clear liquids? That was after X number four years or so, because that happened in two. 2005, 2006, after the Heathrow bomb scare. Remember that? Yeah. Okay. Now, prior to that, they had not looked at liquid explosives. They were looking at, and this, Michael Chertoff, the then Homeland skull-faced secretary guy, said, uh, we've we've been on top of this after the Heathrow thing. We've been working intimately with the British authorities. Well, I did a lot of reading on that. They didn't, that was bogus. All the British authorities did was ask them to shut up so that they wouldn't <laughs> announce it beforehand and screw up their investigation and he has he has the gall to say they've been working intimately with the british authorities then he says and uh you know we're working under this new paradigm now for liquid explosives oh really after the british have caught on to this and 10 years after an and one of these radical islam guys back in the 90s blew a japanese doctor out of a plane that was flying from japan to australia and luckily, they were able to land this thing. He brought in, and I, I mentioned this over at the at the website at the Liberty Conspiracy. This story is this: the guy brought in a little visine bottle filled with liquid nitroglycerin, a oh thirty-five millimeter film canister, empty, cotton, tape, wire, and that's it. And he went into the bathroom with his electronic watch, and he created a bomb. That was powerful enough to blow the side of the fuselage open and blow out a Japanese doctor. Right, and the point is, is that there's nothing stopping you from bringing this visine bottle on. Right. I mean, I, I right. didn't. When I went through, I only took the metal things out of my pockets. Right. I could have had a big, uh, you know, Ziploc uh, one-gallon bag in my gut if I my pants were big enough. As, yeah. as a belly, I could have just had that strapped in there. I could have brought all the water I wanted. I just can't bring it on in a water bottle. Sure. I could have easily brought a visine bottle stuck in my pocket, or I could have, you know, tried. To hide a little more thoroughly. If you wanted to do what you're talking about yeah, here, yeah. it could easily be done under today's and, paradigm. And then, These yeah. people aren't doing anything except confiscating water bottles from <laughs> the American people. And I mean, we're employing an entire thousands and thousands of people who would otherwise be on welfare, not bothering anyone. <laughs> I mean, they're they're confiscating water bottles from the American public. And that's, get them out of the airport so we can travel. That's not to say that a private security system is going to work every time. But when it no. fails, it will respond better than this government system. At least and I wasn't forced to pay for it. Exactly. And it's going to be far more responsive to people's needs. Exactly. Yes, That's it's the going key. to fail. But this one fails every single day. Yeah. Yeah. And and unfortunately, they've locked us into this system. Uh, how are we going to get out of this? If you had That's the, private the question, system, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you had the private system. Just to, just to just to explain, if you had the private system, then it could respond and you could attenuate because everybody gives up a certain amount of safety when they go to do things. There's no so. way out. There's no way out besides the complete dissolution of the federal government. I mean, what are the odds we know what government does when it creates a program, the program gets bigger, it expands, it becomes more, it has more in its purview, its intrusiveness uh, in increases, expense increases, the amount of bureaucrats increase. There's no way out of this. They're not going to just shut down the TSA. 800-259-9231. We just have to get the hell out of the United States. It's Free Talk Live. 
This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Guard. And Mark. Inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. Facebook profile is there for you at facebook.freetalklive.com. Uh, again, that's facebook.freetalklive.com. You can go there and become a fan. I want to tell you about the School Sucks podcast. Why would something that is so good for us, like public education, need to be imposed on us with the use of force and funded by the use of force? Well, maybe something else is going on. School Sucks Podcast is a show about the end of public education. Visit SchoolSucksProject.com to learn more and uh, get tuned in. SchoolSucksProject.com. I had the chance finally to listen uh, to some School Sucks this weekend, and it uh, was it was great. It's awesome. It's great. So really great. I, li- I recommend it. In fact, I thought it was so great, I decided to add it to the Liberty Radio Network lineup. So it's one of our brand new shows. We've got also just added to the Liberty Radio Network uh, on-air lineup. We've added Free Oz Radio. So our first Australian-based Liberty-oriented program is okay. now on the network. Plus, the School Sucks podcast is there for you as well at libertyradionetwork.com. As we continue here, uh, you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Uh, take control of the airwaves here. Just some more details on what's happening with this these new flight re- uh, restrictions, wherein you will not be able to get up out of your seat af- uh, in the last hour of any flight in America. You will not be able to hold your coat or blanket in your lap. You will also be expecting uh, to told to expect additional airport pat downs and gate security checks. So I presume that means that you'll be checked perhaps randomly as you're just waiting to get on a plane. So once you've actually gotten through the security area, there's a good chance they may just decide to target you for some reason and check you again. Yeah, so if they, you know, do that x-ray thing where they can see right through your clothes and they think you're hot, then, of course, they'll pull you out so they can feel what they've seen. Right, and since maybe now that, uh, I guess this guy, they said that he had some kind of explosive sewn into his underwear, maybe that means they need to do some extra padding and prodding of your genital genital areas because, you know, that's where people are going to hide things, so... Maybe they just need to grab a few butts here and there yeah. and g- grab some crotches and stuff. I heard a conservative... Maybe they can uh, stick your, their hands down your pants now. Uh, they've they've definitely done it. And don't forget that woman who had her nipple piercings uh, ripped removed, out. ripped out of her breasts. Uh, that was a, a year scary and a half story. Ago. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I heard a conservative radio guy saying, yeah, you know, I don't understand why they didn't give this guy that hand rape. They should, they should do that to everybody. Give him a hand rape. A hand rape? Yeah. In other words, the ultimate feel down inside every crevice of the body. Wow. Yeah, that's great. Body cavity search. And he was saying that seriously, not sarcastically. Yeah, he's serious. It's It's ridiculous. I've heard people propose that they need to give uh, passengers electric collars when they come to the airport uh, to (laughs) to go through their flight so they can just take them down. I mean, it's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Wow. So, uh, So what does the bureaucrat have to say about this? Well, Janet Napolitano says passengers flying from international locations to U.S. destinations may notice additional security measures in place. These measures are designed to be unpredictable, so passengers should not expect to see the same thing everywhere. So if it feels arbitrary and like they're just making it up, it might be. Exactly. We actually have no standards at all, so it's just going to be different everywhere. 
Yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about as far as the, what the news is here, <laughs> AFP's story. But there was one point, uh, Mark, you had said right before, or right after we went to break, that what I said about leaving the United States didn't make sense. And I can see what you were saying, because I did say we, and when I said we, I meant the, uh, this state, the people in New Hampshire, or wherever you are. The only way this is going to change, this TSA debacle, the only way it's going to get better, in my opinion, is for the United States to dissolve or for some state to secede and de- or declare independence and get the hell out of the United States. That's what I meant by that. Do you think that, uh, you know, given the history of this, and, and, and it would probably serve us well to go through a little bit of, of how the government encroached on all this stuff, but uh, you see these people lining up, and, you know, the pot has gotten a little hotter, and the frog's still in it, waiting and pulling sure. his bags along the line. And, I, you know, I just... Uh, do you think that there there will come a point where people – I don't think they can recognize that there's an alternative. I think they've grown up in assuming that the government's got to do this. And if the government – right. it's official, so therefore it must be strong, powerful, and, and working in our best interests. You know? Well, yeah, that's what they believe government's there for. I mean, every time you hear George Bush or Barack Obama give a speech, right. they always insert the line of – and it's my duty as president to protect this nation. You know, that they always say that stuff. That's right. So That's right. it's the old rule of propaganda that the more you say something, the, the, the more you tell a lie, the more likely people will start to believe that it's the truth. No, it's not the government's responsibility to keep you safe, and it's not the government's responsibility. The Supreme Court has made it clear over and over again they have no obligation to do anything for you and certainly have no obligation to protect you in any way, shape, or form. But if they weren't saying that, then nobody would really realize. I mean, it would be much easier for them to figure out what the government really is if it wasn't masquerading, if they weren't masquerading as this benevolent uh, protector. Let's strip the artifice off all this thing. The the one supposed rationale, the primary supposed rationale, uh, which we are all told uh, is the rationale for the existence of government, is to provide for the common defense, right? So that claim. itself is a pretty weighty claim that needs analysis, common defense. Uh, involuntary, involuntary common defense, if you're wondering about it. Uh, it, it fails at that. So uh, what are we supposed to look at it as actually doing successfully? It fails at everything it does. Of course it fails. And it gets more when it fails because it says it hasn't got enough resources. That's right. And so the private sector constantly dwindles more and more. So we've got to ask ourselves, really, what is government doing? The only thing government is good at is taking people's money away from them and restricting their ability to do what they want in their private, private spheres. Correct. So really what government is – is a, a giant mafia. It's a criminal gang. That has the patina of legality applied to it by the very people who are going to decide what they're going to do to you. That's it, and that's all, really, and that's what it boils down to. It's such a complicated um, gang. It's, a, it's the largest gang that you could ever imagine, uh, and it's so obvious. To, to us, it's so obvious what they're doing, and I think to a lot of Americans, they realize that there's, they don't really – a lot of Americans don't like what the government does, but they feel helpless to do anything about it, right? Yeah, they think it's a, it's a necessary evil, as they always say. Sure, sure. And, and right. well, who can blame them for thinking that? The news media is constantly propping up the, the government and just reporting verbatim whatever it is the government press releases say. Yeah. Everybody, most everybody, went to government-run 
indoctrination camps. So you've got a solid 13 years, including kindergarten, of government indoctrination before you get out into the uh, the working world. Many continue on in colleges, which are also, in many cases, government-run or heavily influenced by the state. So they get extra years of government indoctrination. And then, uh, then people are released into a world where they're surrounded by similarly indoctrinated people, very few of whom will question the, uh, their surroundings and, and question their circumstances. So everybody just takes it for granted that government has to, well, well, well if we didn't have government, then uh, we'd lose our culture. Yeah. Or if we didn't have government, we'd be attacked by terrorists. If we didn't have government, the Chinese would come here and take us over. I mean, there's all kinds of scare stories. If the government didn't have something scary out there for you to be afraid of, for people to be afraid of, then it wouldn't be able able to as successfully uh, restrict people's freedom. And that's yeah. why this TSA thing's never going away. Because in the same way that uh, there are always going to be drug dealers out there, always going to be a war on drugs for them to fight, there's always going to be the specter of terror out there for the government to, uh, like you're saying, gin up fear and, and, and collect more money and collect more power. And a brief lesson for those people who think that the if only we could get back to the Constitution, <laughs> uh, then everything would be fine. Because... In the 1920s, this began. What we have here goes all the way back to the 1920s, and it goes back there because the first instance of – I wrote this in Live Free or Die. I put it in there back when I was on a plane at one time. Here's the setup. I was on a plane, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, this is a, fl- a fine flight, but what if the pilots want to be armed? They have to get permission. I thought it was a right. I thought it was a right that couldn't be infringed. But when you got, get the government regulating something, then they regulate away your rights. The question is, how did they get these regulations in place? Well, they certainly didn't pay attention to the Constitution. Starting in the 1920s all the way to today, a series of political maneuvers has brought us to this point. Do, do you want to get into yeah, that a little sure, deeper I'll talk here? About it all right, more coming up. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you tonight, it's Ian with you. And Gart. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. You like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, we need your votes. It's the end of the month. We're uh, wrapping out December, and we are not in first place at Podcast Alley. Which I think we didn't we eke by in November and actually make it into first yes. place. So this would be the first month in a long time in which we would not finish in first place. We need your help. If you have yet to vote for us, please go to vote.freetalklive.com. It only takes you a moment. You only need your email address for verification purposes. Vote.freetalklive.com. It would only take a hundred votes to put us into uh, to first place. Thoroughly, great. So we could use uh, your assistance. <laughs> and it can happen tonight. It could happen in the next ten minutes. Yep. If somebody, if if you take responsibility, right? You listening to me right now? Take right. responsibility. Go to vote.freetalklive.com. You won't be spammed. It's fast. It's easy. It it'll be over in fifteen seconds. It's painless. And you don't even have to talk to one of those NPR uh, phone bank people. No, it's really no. simple. Just go to vote.freetalklive.com. Right. It makes most a difference these, for us. Most of these voting situations. Situations want to get your your address and your email so they can spam you later. That's not what's going on here. Yeah. No, nope. and you can't expect somebody else to do it for you because well, if everybody expects someone else to do it for them, then nobody will go and and vote. So, 
if I sent out an email to the email list, the updates list today, there's over 2,000 people on that list. There's over 3,000 people, about about 3,000 people on our uh, Facebook uh, friends page. So we only have 400 something votes. So there are a whole bunch of you out there that are slacking. Please help us out at vote.freetalklive.com. All right. So Gardner, you said you wanted to uh, to run through a little history here as far as where we are today with the TSA and uh, this yeah. insane amount of uh, regulations. Uh, from back in the 20s, you said it's things got started back then. Yeah. What were you getting at? All right. Well, what happened was, uh, and and this is a lesson for anybody who thinks that the Constitution is going to be holding back the uh, thirst for power uh, among the uh, people who go into federal office and the thirst for federal money derived from somebody else for among people in state office and municipal office. And they work hand in hand. That One, backs, one hand scratches the other back, the other hand scratches the, the first back. And what happened was in the 1920s, uh, when air travel sort of started to get going, uh, the United States Postal Service, which was allowed under the Constitution, but it does not exclude others. It does not give the United States government a monopoly, which is the way that they have acted over and over again on first-class mail and even more before that uh, when they wiped out Lysander Spooner in the 19th century. Uh, the USPS was doing uh, flights across the country. So they established a series of lighted flight routes where they would use visual flight rules and they would have these lighted towers that stuck up and the pilots who were flying for the uh, Postal Service to deliver mail would watch these things. And they were posted every mile, quarter mile. I don't know what it was. So that was the 1920s. That got the, the camel's nose under the tent for the federal government to start to regulate the air routes. Then when mm. FDR became president, they started to do what? Of course, perpetuate their power in office. And as we know, as people like Amity Schles has written in her great book, The Forgotten Man, hand out money to people only when they would help the established characters in power, the particular uh, president, FDR, the congressman who were around at the time, and so on. So when FDR knew that he would get support from a particular politician, well, lo and behold, all of a sudden, money's being showered on that municipality or that state. And he would even hold it back until he found out that he got support from these people. You can actually see when the money was handed out. Hmm. So then you start seeing federal money being handed out for airports, and it grows and grows and grows. This is how you get the Portland Airport, how you get Logan Airport in Boston with all the corruption there, Detroit, Chicago. So that is what has warped what should have been a private marketplace serving the customer's interests on where they want to go most and what the airlines deem is the most efficient place to touch down, refuel, restock, that sort of thing. It has warped that, so now you get these congested air routes that are regulated by the federal government, and the excuse that they give for all you constitutionalists out there is, well, they go over state lines, so therefore interstate we can regulate. It's, it's the, again, yes, it's the open-ended interpretation of the Interstate Commerce Clause, which only was supposed to stop the states from imposing tariffs on each other, and now they say anything that goes over state borders can be regulated. That's how they get away with it. That's why we have to deal with these thuggish troglodytes who work in the TSA, and they take our, our liquids away and then use the plastics to collect their drool. I mean, that's what we're <laughs> talking about here. This is where it comes from. And if conservatives, in particular, who are supposedly you know, in individual liber libertarians so-called, if they, yeah, I like that, piffle, if, if they... Mm. 
want to actually go back to the Constitution, well, hey, maybe you'll re, you know rewind a few years. But guess what? It's always going to head in the same direction. That's because right. Because it could not stop the tendency of these politicians to take advantage of loopholes or ways to interpret or just to stinking disregard it altogether and well, just do what they want. And the door swings. It take, this takes two, I guess, for uh, for this regulation concept to work. It takes the government people to come up with the ideas and then the American people to obediently bow down to oh, them. Yeah. But because in so many cases, like there's, there's, there's nothing that can be done about the TSA. Uh, what do you do to not well, bow down to the TSA? Right. At this point, it's too far gone. At yeah. this point, there's nothing you can do. But my, what, my point is, if you were to go back to the 1920s or whenever it was the first airline regulations uh, were, were foisted on people, if business owners had courage and said, well, no, that's all right. We don't need your help. We, no, no, we don't want to, uh, to go along with this. Oh, I know you're saying you're here for our benefit, but we don't believe you. And we're willing to put our uh, careers on the line to, uh, to take a risk. I, mean, I understand that they've already taken risk just to go into business and they don't want to take the risk to, you know, to, to go up against the state because, well, they're likely going to end up in a jail cell. But it's because they just went along with the program that allowed it's the same story with it, with the airlines or with any regulations that any business owner or anyone in, uh, in their daily life faces. It's because somebody went along with it way back in the day, and then they came out. Once they got the first set of regulations in, they came out with another one and another one and another one, and now here we are with a multi-trillion-dollar federal government, exactly. and there's no end in sight. Yes, exactly. Except for the uh, the financial uh, economic exactly. collapse. They didn't stand up against this. They didn't do it. Uh, but then again. They didn't do it when George Washington marched on the Whiskey Rebels. You know, the Whiskey Rebels tried, but he had an army that was the size of the Army of the Potomac that marched on those guys. And and for those people who think George Washington was a hero, certainly the peace-loving people who were making whiskey in western Pennsylvania and got marched on by an army ordered down there by George Washington on the suggestion of the perfidious Alexander Hamilton, maybe they might recognize that these sorts of things had already happened, and they should have been guarding against them even sooner. I may recognize if you tell me what perfidious means. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and, and, and hey, Washington wasn't all bad, obviously. I'm not trying to p- portray George Washington as the bad guy. But power, this is what power does to they people. They make mistakes, and they set precedents. And these precedents are recognized by other people who want to take advantage. Even of the Samuel Adams, um, who was you know all he was the, the sons of liberty. He was the guy who was behind supposedly allegedly yeah, yeah. behind the, the 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 Boston Tea Party. He Absolutely. went over there and threw their tea in the water. Absolutely. He goes down to Connecticut during some other rebellion, Shays Rebellion, um, mm-hmm. and says, "Well, you guys can't rebel. We have our own country now." Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is what happens to people once they get a level of power. Yeah. Oh, but that's all right. Just don't worry about it. Just give. Rand Paul and uh, Peter Schiff all the power, and they'll be very, very judicious with it. Now, now, Surely. And, and well, I think they'll be able to do better. It, it, it you, you say to yourself, okay, I don't emotionally, so. I, I would really enjoy seeing Chris Dodd not just knocked around, but left in the gutter with his face in a in a pool of fecal matter. You well, know, I mean, it's just, I would love to see Peter Schiff, you know, 
beat and whoop his butt hard. Well, this is but, where this is where the, the 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 hardliners like Ian fall flat because the fact is Chris Dodd isn't going to do anything about the wars in foreign countries. They're, he's not going to do anything about the, um, uh, the 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 Federal Reserve. He's not going to do anything about the most egregious uh, you know government uh, overstepping. And he, you don't you just you pooshaw the people that are running against him that are at least to some extent pro-liberty because they don't say everything that you say. Well, it's because they're not for, really for liberty. I mean, when you actually they're listen to what they're saying. They're for more liberty than Chris Dodd is. Okay, well, Rand Paul wants an underground electric fence on the southern border. I, it, You know, libertarians going to have calls one heck the people, of a time. Uh, he calls the people in Guantanamo Bay thugs and says they deserve military tribunals. Some of them probably... I don't know what you do with people in Guantanamo Bay. It is a very difficult constitutional question to this answer Peter because Schiff of guy doesn't gotten. put any issues on his website. There's, you can't find out what he believes on anything. And when, when he was uh, asked some, some questions on video, he revealed himself to have some status tendencies. He certainly so these people some... are not... These people are not uh, liberty-oriented candidates, and I only will support people that are. I'm not going to water down my position. And that goes towards, you know, what do you think is the most effective way to bring about change without the ramifications of leaving the state intact to... uh to have this happen again years down the line. That's, that's a difficult question for some people listening, I'm sure. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. There's much more to discuss here tonight, uh, not just this TSA nonsense. We can take your calls about anything, of course. 800-259-9231. Hour two's coming up. Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? <sighs> not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231 as we launch here into the second hour of the program, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Throughout the last hour, we... We're generally discussing the TSA madness, the new regulations that they're foisting on everyone, uh, mandating that you can't get out of your seat during the last hour of a flight. You can't hold a blanket on your lap during the last hour. You can't hold a coat in your lap. You, uh, you know, who knows what else they're going to come up with here. What are they going to do about babies? Children. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they'll have to escort them into the bathroom. Maybe you'll have to stand in there with a stewardess and she'll have to keep an eye on you like when they do drug testing. They Watch you pee. Uh, there's no room in there. You, they'd have just have to keep the door open. The door open, yeah. 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 Okay. All right. uh, that works. So who knows? But we were just discussing the idea of, well, what do you do about this, right? I mean, you've got the TSA, and they are so big, and they just keep getting bigger. And how does one deal with this? How does one change this situation for the better? 
And I posited that you can't, that the government is doing what it does best, and that is it grows. It gets more intrusive, more expensive, bigger than it's ever been. And there's no Democrat, no Republican uh, that has ever done anything to turn that around, and they never will, yeah. because it's in their best interest to keep growing. They want to uh, to they want people to believe that they're useful. They want people to believe, even even when all of the evidence co- uh, co- contradicts it, even when you can see, even they're even admitting now that uh, well, our our system has failed. But that's always just an excuse to rebuild the system. I'm surprised they haven't called for a complete rebuild of the bureaucracy like they did back when the, you know, this Department of Homeland Security was created. They were touting how this is the largest reorganization of the criminal, uh, whatever the hell, department the, the uh, federal government has ever seen in 50 years. And they went and they built this whole new bureaucracy and they, re, you know, they moved things around and they changed the bureaucrats out here and there. And they made it like a big deal, like it was going to do something. Something like all of a sudden the government was now brand new and shiny and better. Right. It was but, an overhaul. Yeah. But here you have the same thing going on that happened in 9-11. They, you know, the, 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 the people were reported. They, they came up on these watch lists, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they came up on the radar of the enforcement agencies and the enforcement agencies that are responsible for doing these things. Dropped the ball, failed to do anything. Sure. They just made sure that they hassled people over bottles of water and baby formula and made sure people took their shoes off. Because they can't, they just can't do it. They're not incentivized in the proper fashion. And what's going to happen? They're going to get more money, they're going to get funded better, and they're going to get more power. They fail, and they get more stuff. That's right. And it's because people go along with it, as I was pointing out before, that because people went along with the first regulations that they got more, and now that we have thousands upon thousands of them, uh, endless rules, endless taxation, and it won't ever stop until the federal government comes crashing down, which at some point will have to happen because no government lasts forever. Just uh, who knows when that's going to be. They've got all kinds of tricks up their sleeve to extend their power over us for as long as possible. I, I agree, but I think that the, uh, the the key to it is the Federal Reserve, and it's power um, through the you know the world reserve currency that is the dollar yeah there are so many different things that you can pinpoint they've they've tried in so many ways and i think part of the reason uh, part of that is because human beings are so ingenious they have such ingenuity that they find new ways to be able to work with one another that the government hasn't quite considered yet. So they try to handle the monetary system. They try to handle your movement. They try to handle your communications. They try to handle all these different things that people keep coming up with in new ways. And of course, they screw every all of yeah, them up. And, and it, as Ian said, Mark, you know, even these Republican people like Ronald Reagan, that everyone touts as you know such a great guy, and I'm sure he was a wonderful man. He didn't stop the growth of government. No, he no. increased dramatically over about sixty percent, as I more than that. Yeah, and even if they say, well, I'd be willing with a slow growth of government. Well, you know, if you're if you're ten years old, and you have cancer cells. And your body's growing, growing very rapidly, and it's outpacing the growth of the cancer cells. At a certain point, the cancer cells grow and grow to such a point that it's going to wipe you out. You're done. Yeah. Well, the government is a parasite. Uh, yes. It doesn't create any value, any real significant value. Eh, okay, the one the government local government puts up traffic lights and they you know Build they schools, the roads and. and- the, so the federal government there. has a um, has a, maintains a, a, um, a military, which is what people want, uh, you know, a certain level of protection. However, then they subvert that military, use it for their own yeah. means, uh, create, uh, in fact, uh, create danger here in the United States through their use of the military as opposed to protecting us.
the the actual value delivered is in, in the negative. I mean, there's there's no real value when you haven't contracted, uh, when you aren't getting exactly what you're exactly. looking for. And, and, and I just want to just want to mention. Yeah. You know, I know you want to get to this, but uh, you know, my my allegory, or yeah, my allegory in this, my anal- my analogy. Uh, is that they say, well, you know, the economy grew so well. We had an, a healthy, vibrant economy as long as they just keep government in check. And again, what they consider to be keeping government in check and what I consider to be keeping government in check, which is checking away the government, getting rid of the government and allowing the economy to truly grow are two different things. So you can have a growing, healthy, a vibrant economy for a certain period of time, even as hidden away that cancer is expanding. So. Except this cancer isn't very hidden. It's right out for everyone to see. And for those of us that understand what it is, we're frustrated because we'd like to see it change. We'd like to see something happen. Some people believe they can elect a couple people and that's all of a sudden going to do something about it. Uh, but even if you were to get rid of the Federal Reserve, which would be a fine thing to see. I'd love to see that happen. It would eliminate one of the significant ways that they tax people, which is inflation. But even if you were to get rid of the Federal Reserve, you still have the problem of an incredibly expensive and intrusive uh, government that sure. still has the ability to expand itself. And an obedient populace. But worse than that, not only do you have an obedient populace, you also have the uh, the particular percentage of the populace that is more than obedient, that is giddy with excitement to assist the federal government. And this is where uh, the LRC blog, the uh, com comes in here, with a a related story where the easiest way for the masters on top to control us is to have us control ourselves. In the Nazi concentration camps, select prisoners were chosen to watch over the rest of the prison population. In, the in, latest, in elementary schools, they call them crossing guards that's and right. hall monitors. In the latest move toward one world government, it seems the entire world has now become a neighborhood watch. The story is from the BBC. When John Spears gets, but it's about America, when John Spears gets home from his sales job in New York, he sits down at his computer with a bottle of beer and starts patrolling the U.S. border. And to do it, he doesn't need to sit uh, to stir from his sofa. He's one of tens of thousands of people around the world who are volunteering to patrol the 1,250-mile-long stretch between Texas and Mexico via the web. The controversial $4 million Texas Virtual Border Watch program invites civilians to log on to BlueServo.net. There they can monitor live feeds 24-7 from 21 hidden surveillance cameras placed at intervals along the border. Supporters see the initiative as a step forward in U.S. efforts to curb illegal immigration, drug smuggling, and border violence. Critics say it's encouraging vigilantism and stroking, uh, stoking rather anti-immigrant feeling. Since the site went live in November of 2008... Vigilantism? Yeah, vigil- vigilantism, actually. And there's not an extra E in there. Okay. Uh, since the site went live in November of 08, it's received more than 50 million hits, and more than 130,000 people have registered to become virtual deputies they're located as far afield as australia mexico colombia israel new zealand and the uk so far some 21 arrests have allegedly been made under the program operated by the texas border sheriff's coalition so this is a uh, essentially a retread of a story we told you uh, just what a month ago i think maybe sometime this month about the camera system in the UK, mm-hmm. and do you remember this one, Mark, where they've got a program now in the UK that some private company has devised 
where they're offering cash prizes to people who log in and keep an eye on certain uh, cameras that businesses will, uh, I guess, pay a certain monthly fee to have their camera listed on this uh, this particular system. They wanted to expand that to include the government cameras as well. But this, this idea of bringing in uh, unpaid, essentially, volunteer snitches, volunteer ob- obedient little serfs who are going to do the bidding of the uh, the government people. Right. So, it's, it's amazing. I, I just keep thinking of George Orwell, because in the previous segments we talked about how uh, people think that they're going to change something within the system. That's like Animal Farm. The pigs end up taking over the farm in the end, and they rule. Here you've got 1984. People looking. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. So this is just the beginning of this program where uh, other people are encouraged to work for the state in their free time. More coming up. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want. If you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And guard. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got our bulletin board system there with over 500,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about, serious issues, fun stuff. We'll find it all there free at bbs.freetalklive.com. He's the enemy of the state. He's the agent of the sovereign individual. He's Tad Galahad, freedom engineer. The Anarcho-Capitalist Adventure Series is complete. Read it for free at peaceprosper.com. And help Ben Woods construct Catalixia. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah, that's what it looks like to Catalixia at peaceprosper.com. And we had had uh, freedom engineering on as an advertiser, you know, some time ago. Yeah, and it's an online book series. And now you can read the whole thing. Um, there at peaceprosper.com. I love it. Free. Awesome. Free. I'll be damned. All right. We'll continue here. You can take control of the airwaves. Dan is in New Hampshire, and you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dan. Dan? Hi. How you doing? You're on the air. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. What's on your mind, Thanks sir? for your work, guys. Uh, listen, uh, so there's a real simple thing for us to do. In We need an organized boycotting of flying. Yeah, I've stopped doing it. It'd be great, um, but you know, I just I find it so difficult to imagine that people will stick with it. There's already been a, I mean, it's a huge twenty percent of domestic uh, domestic flights are down, as I understand it, twenty percent from pre nine eleven uh, timeframes. Twenty percent is a huge number. What's that going to do? These boycotts don't seem to matter, right? And no, what would it do? Because the TSA isn't going to get their budget cut if people boycott flying. It just means that the airlines are going to um, get less revenue and yeah, be some more likely go, to go out of business. Some of them will go out of business. Well, the, the, the thing is, is that to have it somewhat organized and to have it understood that the reason we're boycotting is we want the private industry to take care of their own business and to get the friggin' government out of uh, the airports. I just, they're, you know, I'm just perfectly happy not to have them there. And I think... They- me you too. Know, most of the rest of the traveling public would feel the same way. I, I hope you're right about that. Are you going to start this up? 
Well, I, you know, I could, I could create a website and we could start going. Uh, I, I guess I, I opened the door, did I not? <laughs> I, I, I would not. I don't want to fly anywhere. I haven't gotten on a plane yeah. in what since we went out to L.A. I mean, it's. I don't remember the yeah. last time. It's been a few uh, years now. I'm not doing me. it because of boycotting reasons. I just don't like the intrusiveness of right. uh, the TSA. Now I have to. My family's down in Florida. It's it's either that or drive 36 hours or something like that, and uh, you know you you pretty much have to sleep. So uh, you know it's 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 a tough decision. Right. Well, right. I I just I just went to Arizona and we went we went by car. Wow. And and uh, you know two of us drove straight through and you know I did the night shift and uh, my my partner did the uh, day shift and we got there in. Uh, you know, forty-six hours. So I, th- well, I think it's futile. I mean, I hate to be a pessimist, really, Dan. I do. Well, I, here's the thing. Here's the thing. What we've got to do is, I think that a lot of business travel could be eliminated with, uh, you know, electronic uh, conferencing. Yes, that's happening. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and of course it is. And I think that we just, uh, you know, we put the bug in the ear of of people. You know, we start something and we put also make it a you know a splash somehow. And uh, and say, listen, the TSA is is an evil, uh, you know, intrusion on our lives, and you all got to stop it, and uh, and put it in the put it in the laps of the people, you know, you know that that actually make money, you know, from flying us from here to there. And I think we wouldn't need any kind of full cooperation if we could if we could get another you know ten or fifteen percent people to not fly, you know it would be hurting those those airlines pretty Dan, pretty seriously. Dan, I think. do you think do you think you'd, you'd, it would require layers of education on this uh, at the same time if you were going to attempt this to even try to get people to understand that there's an alternative? Rather, uh, and I say that because I think the inclination among most people would be to be like many of the uh, T party folks to say just simply reform the system don't eliminate the system well i i think that all we have to do is point to the government themselves when they're really serious about security they hire blackwater don't they <laughs> you make good, true. Don't yeah, get many ideas. They're good rhetorical arguments. You, you know, a lot of people understand the difference between strategy and tactics. Those are tactical arguments on the ground while you're actually in the midst of of the battle. Uh, I wonder if that weren't to work, what would the alternative be? If if let's say a giant protest to try to get most of Americans uh, and maybe repeated protests over and over again, which would you know destroy the airline industry. You could throw as far as a protest is concerned. You could throw a whole bunch of people. People at a checkpoint and uh, have Clog them refuse up, to yeah have them refuse to uh, submit to a search yeah although I don't know what that would result in it would be very interesting to see that happen uh, my biggest concern is that if you're if you if you can successfully promote your boycott and that alone will be uh, difficult enough though you might have an easier time now that it's a Democrat administration getting like conservative talk show hosts on board with it because if it was George Bush there'd be no way you'd be able to get any coverage on their on the shows. Rush Limbaugh show they were talk- talking crap about the uh, the TSA today that's so, funny oh, isn't there it you go. like yeah. all of a sudden the TSA is so different now because uh, Barack Obama is uh, is in the White House <laughs> ludicrous uh, but nonetheless, you might be able to get a little more publicity now as a result of that from radio shows, for instance. And I would recommend that if you're going to start a website, that might be a way to get the you know get the word out. Just call around to some talk shows and get some sort of buzz going. But even if you're successful at cutting the airline's revenues, 
Okay, so you put some airlines out of business, then they get absorbed by their competition. There are already only a few choices for air travel to begin with right now. They've all consolidated and sold off so much. We're not that far away from having, you know, two national carriers and then eventually having the federal government decide to take one of them over. You know, how far are we away from that? But, but the thing is, is that the is that the the federal load on them, the costs imposed by taxation, you know, user fees, whatever it is, uh, if you if you reduce their you know revenues, it'll get to the point where you know you're right. There, there won't there won't be a viable business model anymore, and uh, as a result, they'll uh, you know. I, I don't know. I, I just think that, that it's, it, it's calling attention to something that isn't really being attended to at all. Good luck you with know. that, Dan. Let us know how it goes. I thank you for the call tonight at 800-259-9231. Let's continue with Matthew in Tennessee. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Matthew. Matthew, you've got to turn your whatever that is down, please. Hello? Matthew? Tennessee? Going once, Matthew, going twice, Put him on hold. maybe he'll call back. 800-259-9231. I, I see where Dan's coming from, but I just don't know if, I mean, maybe the, the airlines do deserve to be punished because they're so damned obedient. But then again, what American business isn't obedient to the government besides Kerry Paco Ellison down there in uh, Charleston, West Virginia? Yeah, yeah, you're going to, it's, it's, it's very difficult. I think that it, he's, I think he's right that if you could get a, um, a boycott going that would affect, say, 10% of, of domestic flights or, or whatever, and behind that boycott was the statement, look, we're sick and tired of the stupid, incompetent bureaucrats of the TSA. That that likely that I think that the airlines themselves have enough power to make the TSA into, at the very least, a less arduous, less intrusive organization. You think they could lobby the federal government to change the, yes, the TSA? It's I know they take could. a lot because the TSA employees are unionized, but they, they don't care about the TSA power. employees themselves. Don't care about bottles of water. That's not their they, thing. They do like power, though. They do, but uh, you know that, that's not uh, specifically. They've got badges now. Uh, understood. Uh, pretty soon they'll get the boots <laughs> to go with them. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you all the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And those features include our archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They're yours free freetalklive.com. Every time you use one of the major search engines, your little cookies are recorded and your 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 searches recorded in big databases all over the world. They they want to know what you're doing. They want to be able to, to buy and sell your information. Some of these uh, search engines have worked with the governments in the past, governments around the world in the past. You never know what they're going to do with uh, your information. You can prevent them from collecting and collating your data by using startpage.com. You can take their seven-day challenge at startpage.com. It's a it's a search engine. They aggregate actually 12 major search engines over there. But unlike your old search engine, you have complete privacy. It's third-party regulated, so in fact you know that it's uh, you have your privacy over there. And you can add it to your toolbar. I have it attached to my uh, Firefox here, so I use StartPage just by searching up in the little corner of my screen. Go to StartPage.com and do it because we do it. 
All right, we're going to continue here. The story that we begin to, uh, began to tell you about at the top of the hour was out of the BBC, uh, cited over at LouRockwell.com's blog, about how these there's a group down in Texas, uh, the Texas Border Sheriff's Coalition, TBSC. They've set up about 21 surveillance cameras along the Texas-Mexico border. They have live feeds 24-7 streaming to a particular website where... Obedient little citizens are invited to visit and essentially become federal bureaucrats or this state is a, bureaucrats. Is this a federal website or is this somebody who came up with a, what I consider to be a very good idea for a, for what isn't such a great cause? I don't know. I the, the let's see the website. It's it's not popping out at me here. Blue Servo. That's what it is. BlueServo.net. Certainly doesn't sound governmental. Usually the .gov is after it. But the Texas Border Sheriff's Coalition certainly sounds like it is governmental-related. Well, oftentimes uh, the free market will get involved with the government, and and that's how innovation even ever occurs when it comes to the government. So, I mean, I... A a small part of me says, oh, wow, that's kind of a good idea for doing something terrible and tyrannical. The story here says that... uh, Essentially, there are a bunch of people that log on, one guy all the way over in New York, people around the world, apparently. They claim to have had over 130,000 people registered to become virtual deputies uh, with the cameras. You get a badge? Mm, Who knows? Maybe it's a virtual badge. Anyway, the website, uh, if, if virtual deputies spot anything suspicious, they click a button on the website and send a message to the sheriff's office in the corresponding location. The sheriff's office will then decide whether to investigate or to refer the sighting to the U.S. Border Patrol. Scheme has drawn criticism from politicians and civil liberties groups who say the patrolling the border is the responsibility of the U.S. government, not volunteer citizens. But that's what's the difference? You I mean, know, the government people are just so-called citizens that have got are decided to sign up and get a paycheck. These people aren't getting paid. That's the only difference, right? Yeah, and and you know it's it's very interesting just again to bring up the constitutional point for those people who are big supporters of the Constitution. Uh, it used to be that uh, prior to the late 1800s and a case in the Chinese exclusionary uh, uh, law that was passed in Congress in 1872 uh, that the states controlled immigration. And as I've mentioned before, when Texas entered the Union in its constitution, it had a Bureau of Immigration written into its constitution. Uh, There is nothing in the Constitution that gives the federal government the power to control immigration, only naturalization, how you become a citizen, just for those people who want to pay attention to the constitutional rules. And I find it amusing that... You could actually screw this system up if you had enough illegal immigrants or people who believed in open borders. Just get them hooked in and tell the border guys, hey, go over here, go over here, go over here. They send them all over the place. You can actually synchronize it with people to get the Border Patrol guys to get out of one area so you could get people across. You you sure could, uh, and and who knows where if this will be used for that purpose or not. I just thought it was interesting to bring it up because, well, here you have a group of uh, people – who are essentially working as pay unpaid thugs for the mafia. I mean, we were talking well, earlier about how the government is essentially... People are very passionate about this issue. Yeah. Um, this, this is an issue that people are extraordinarily passionate about because uh, I, I think that to some extent you're talking about nationalism. Hey, this sure. is our team. You're, in, you're infringing on our turf. Um, you're coming in here where you don't belong. And all, you know, there's, there's that aspect. There's the, the people that, that think that rules should be followed because there are rules and that you shouldn't break rules as long as the rules are in place, even if they're bad rules or whatever. 
whatever. Um, there, there's those folks, and there, there are people that want to protect their yobs um, or whatever in this uh, – excuse me, jobs, um, a little South Parkies there <laughs> uh, – protect their jobs here in the um, United States by – keeping people out, keeping, therefore, uh, wages higher or whatever it is that they're trying to do. So people, for a lot of reasons, are, are passionate about this issue. So I can, I can see why they want to do it. I think it's a bad idea. I think it's antithetical to freedom. And I believe that free people should be able to cross the borders of free countries freely. Absolutely. Like real police work, online border patrolling seems to consist of hours of tedium punctuated by minutes of high excitement. Despite this, Deanna Blythe spends about an hour a day logged onto the website. This housewife from Athens, Ohio, says that it gives her a feeling of doing her civic duty and helping to keep the borders secure. Virtual Deputy John Spears says it's more than that. He actually gets, quote, kick out of coming home from a day in the office and playing border guard. It's more interesting than TV. Oh, man. So, hey, and, you know, maybe I should uh, I should mention, too, I know the concerns of some people regarding, well, you know, they're getting free health care. Uh, they're getting education. Right. They're signing up for welfare, Medicare, Medicaid. This this is a burden. They're going to become voters. They're going to be they're going to be naturalized citizens soon. They'll, they'll be given immunity and the Obama administration. will get 20 million new voters, as I'd Mark like, Stein would say. I'd like to make a point on this, if I really could. This is where Republicans are falling down. If you're concerned, if yes. you're a Republican and you're concerned about this, and I'll tell you what, you're not going to stop the immigrants from coming in this country because it hasn't okay. happened yet, because you're putting the most incompetent organization that we have in the country in charge of keeping them out. And you're leveling vitriol at these people. So what party do you, the Republicans more are, are, are more vitriolic towards the immigrants than the Democrats are? Yeah. What party do you think the immigrants, when they become citizens and can vote, are going to go to? Exactly. No. So the Republicans are doing – they're creating the exact problem that they want to stop. What you resist persists. Right. <laughs> well stated. I mean, this is, this is the, the stupidity of this scenario. And I have not let yet had one Republican ever call me and give me one reason why this isn't so. And All they it, do is hate the immigrants, but they can't do anything about it because they want the government to solve problems. Governments don't solve problems, and their hate causes them to run over the Democrat side. So what do they result in? Fewer Republicans. Republicans losing more elections. Hey, the, also I'd like to point out it has immediate repercussions because these immigrants have family here that are um, citizens, and yeah. some of those citizens likely are independent voters or Republican voters, and they think to themselves, you know, I don't like getting hated because of my skin color because that's how it shows up to these people, right. even if you're not a bigot and you just hate when when people uh, break rules or whatever it is, whatever you're telling yourself, I don't care. That's how it shows up to the Mexican people. So what are you doing? You're creating the very issue that you're trying to avoid. Yeah, Stop it. Brilliant, Open your arms and welcome these hardworking people into the country. And let's 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 um, you know once and for all say we don't have an immigrant immigration problem. We have a welfare problem. You know, not and, that I, not that I believe for a moment. That the Republicans care a whit about small government, but that's certainly their pro, uh, that's how they promote themselves, right? They are very yeah. good about echoing that. Uh, that the, reg- the average vo- Republican voter, I think, does. No, no, but what I'm talking about is the politicians, right? The politicians don't give a damn. Um, and so, if amongst the immigrant population, the ones that you're talking about that are already here, the ones that are uh, so-called naturalized and uh, uh, citizens. Amongst those people, there are a number of them that like the idea of getting the government out of people's lives. A lot of those folks like that idea because 
Well, they left Cuba. They left these third world countries. They left all these places because the government sucks, and they knew that, and they thought they'd get more freedom coming here. So the idea of small government would resonate with a lot of these people. But what do you think? Do you think that those people are going to vote for the so-called small government Republicans who are advocating to keep their family out of the country? Or are they going to vote for the people, hold their nose, and vote for the other uh, other folks that aren't talking about small government, but at the very least they are talking about amnesty or something like that? I mean, what are you going to vote for? The small government promises or the people that are going to let your mom and dad come uh, come see you seems pretty clear to me yep. 800-259-9231 you can take control bring up anything free talk live This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. If you like this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier right now over at amp.freetalklive.com or anytime when you've uh, got three bucks a month. That's all we're asking for, and it's money that we take and reinvest into the program to get on more radio stations across the country, bring more Internet listeners on board, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. It's making a difference. It's because of the Free Talk Live AMP program that this radio uh, this radio program is heard on over 60 radio stations across the country. And there is no other show in America or around the world that I think can, can claim to be as pro-liberty as we are and on as many radio stations as we no. are. It's, it's all because of you, listeners like you, contributing just three bucks a month, less than the price of a, a cup of Starbucks. So, And you get perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, the AMP-only podcast, forum, and more. All the details are there at amp.freetalklive.com, and you can uh, use PayPal, any major credit card, some alternative options, amp.freetalklive.com. Uh, so we continue here. Guard, uh, yeah. you were mentioning during the break you wanted to cover something about uh, One World uh, uh, yeah. Government. Well, you know, we were talking a little bit about this story that you saw about uh, recruiting uh, citizens out there to volunteer to watch the borders and then – Yeah, unpaid soldiers for the mafia basically. Yeah, with their cameras on their computers and so on. And um, – and, uh, we we got into the larger issue of immigration, and as I, as I mentioned for the traditional constitutionalists out there, uh, and I've mentioned this to many people in the conservative talk radio circles, and they don't they do not want to hear this. Uh, the only guy who was ever honest with me about it was Tom Tancredo when he was running for president. He was one of these big you know uh, immigrants yeah. immigrant basher type guys. But well, I won't say he was bashing immigrants per se, but he thought it was a problem and it needed to be taken care of. He actually acknowledged. He says, well, you know what? I can't I can't fault your your logic and I can't cite you for historical inaccuracy, you're right. But he wouldn't change his views, which I thought was frustrating. And these people seem to have some sort of bipolar. You're right, guard, but the Supreme Court will back me up. Exactly. Right. And they are they and you know, and it just goes to show just because the Supreme Court says something doesn't mean that it is right. They said that the federal government has control over this in eighteen seventy five, but it doesn't. All you have to do is read the Constitution, look at the history, look at prior Supreme Court precedents, and you know it was a state issue up until they basically gave Congress this power. And the question I would ask the conservatives is you you guys are out there saying what we often say all the time. Government doesn't do anything right. Right? The or federal government it, is always very that? inefficient. Bureaucratic and well they often use that. That government 
government can't do anything right. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and it's inefficient, as Mark says. So we'll, we'll give it – we won't draw to the extreme that they always say it doesn't do everything right, but it's inefficient. Oh, it can't do anything right. Right. It can do things in the same way uh, – you know, I've, I've used this analogy on m- multiple occasions. If I go out and I buy a Toyota Camry for – $130,000. I've bought a Toyota Camry. I just haven't bought it very well, and my wife is going to call me a failure. So right. buying it uh, for too much money is a failure. But see, what I, what I'm, the point I'm getting to is, and, and Mark makes a good point, is that the conservatives always say, well, markets and freedom are good to a point. And the federal government is usually inefficient and screwed up, but in this case, we need it to handle this. See, they say they seem to think that, well, in most instances, we don't want the federal government to do anything. We want the states to handle everything. We want everything devolved down to the states. But no, 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 wait a minute. Even though the government doesn't do anything right on the federal side and we can't cite anything that it does right, we do need it to patrol the borders because we need national sovereignty. What does that lead to? That leads to the second thought, which is we now have proposals in Congress among Republicans during George Bush's reign, which, of course, helped get the Republicans knocked out of office, and – those are to force employers to have to conform to federal rules over immigration, which are going to be incredibly expensive. And I draw your Where you attention. have to check the employee uh, applications against a federal and database. They get $20,000 fines. They can go to jail for two years on the second right. infraction. The ICE people come in and raid your business, Precisely. check all your files. Exactly. And, you, and I'll draw your attention to an exchange between Rudy Giuliani in the Republican debate against Mitt, the so-called conservative small government Romney. Yeah, that's a laugh. And they're saying, Mitt Romney says, well, you know, your, your state, you allowed all these people in. You, you know, you had all these people come in, and your city was like a haven for illegal immigrants. And then Rudy Giuliani says, well, you know, you had illegal immigrants working on your property. Mitt Romney turns to him and says, well, you, you can't expect me, the homeowner... To go and check the green card status of all the employees. <laughs> Do you know how much time that would take? That would now the problem with these guys is they don't make the second step in the thought process. At least on on Romney's part, is he doesn't think about well, hey Mitt. If you don't do it and take the time out of your productive day where you could be working and making money, if you don't do this to check all these guys, the guy you hire is going to be forced to do it by the federal government. So guess right. who pays for it in the end? You do. You do, you pinhead. I mean, duh. But they don't yeah. think of this nonsense. They don't figure this stuff out. I'm actually surprised that the program that is demanding or that they're, it's supposedly voluntary right now, where governments, uh, they've got this database of people that businesses can run their applicants to check them against to see if they are citizens and whether or not they can be hired. I'm surprised that hasn't been made mandatory yet. I really am. Maybe they will. Yeah. yeah it's, I, it, it's, it's really just a, it really is just a matter of time. And yet it's the conservative uh, Christian right who always says, don't take the mark of the beast. Don't get the government card. And yet what do they want to do? They want to create a stinking police state. Right. And, yeah. and the question I would have for those people, if you believe in Jesus, who would Jesus kick out of the country? Mm. <laughs> who, would, who, who would Jesus incarcerate while their children are uh, you know, put in foster care? Jesus who, wasn't a white man, by right. the way. Who's, whose family would Jesus kick, uh, you know, uh, send away while the, you know, the, the, you know, some of them are citizens? Who, whose families would Jesus separate? You know, if Jesus came in on an airline flight, he'd be screened just like uh, all the other suspects. I mean, right. they, they just think, think about he's a this terrorist. for a second, uh, right. Christians. If Egypt had had immigration laws like this, Jesus would have been killed by Herod. 
This is what you are advocating. You are not Christian if you advocate immigration laws. I'm sorry. Let's go to your calls about what you want. Tom is in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Tom. Uh, Yeah, just on a positive note, I just wanted to point out that the Pierce County deputy in Washington State uh, that was wounded in a shootout a week ago has passed away this (laughs) afternoon on Pacific Time. Uh, yeah, there's one. What was the shootout about? That's uh, going to help our cause. Uh, that that uh, over a domestic violence call. That's what brought the cop to the scene there. But you know, I mean, the the people with the. Uh, Why is that good news? Us. Yeah, uh, you're not helping us out here, buddy. Well, because another one bites the dust. People are fighting back. They're going to be yeah. uh, taking out cops when they see an opportunity or well, when they got nothing to lose. He's fighting back. It was a domestic violence dispute. So there actually may have been someone who was getting harmed in that particular situation. Could be. Uh, we don't know all the details here, but I don't really see how this is a good thing. It's it, just another uh, dead bureaucrat to be replaced by uh, yet another one. And here's a question for you. If you were being attacked by a guy with a knife and he had it held over your throat and a cop came over and he could take the guy out, would you say, no, no, don't do it? What do you think would happen in that instance? I think I would want the cop to do the cop's job of to protect and serve. Okay, so in this case, maybe the cop was going to try to do his job. Yeah, maybe this was one of the good guys, There's Tom. There's still a cop. It's so so you're just going back on what you're saying. So if he's still a cop, would you rather have the guy knife the cop and then come knife you? No, I no, of course not, because you're being a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. But anyway, a cop uh, what? But anyway, what do you cops mean? Cops are not anyway? hopeless cases, Tom. Do you, do you understand? There are some good cops out there that uh, have the uh, potential for becoming even better and and understanding liberty and and applying at least uh, some principle to their jobs. Then why are they on a mission to uphold and enforce blatantly unjust laws? Well, like you have a good point. Laws? You have There's a good some... point there, but your approach, I think, is just not going to a lot to be desired, I would say. I think that there's a nugget of uh, sort of truth in what uh, Tom says is some people are sick and tired of uh, of the, the intrusion of, of uh, law sure. enforcement in, in the United States. And, and some of those people really are going to take the law into their own hands. I mean, I'm not, I'm not advocating any of that. I don't think it's going to work, quite honestly, because if cops get, you know, if, if too many cops are getting shot, They'll just not respond, or they'll uh, they'll they'll really just do what their job is in fact to do, which is to protect and serve the state. We'll just get yeah. worse service. Tom, any other I, thoughts? Uh, but then the people, other people, have nothing to lose if they're not getting any police protection. They got no reason uh, to. Go first of all when they go to report an underage drinking party next door, the cops won't show up. See, so there's liberty being defended because if the cops show up, it might be an ambush. It might be a trick. Somebody luring the cops into an ambush so they don't respond. And therefore, when it really is an underage drinking party next door, the teenagers are going to get away with drinking the beverage of their choice. Well, the teenagers would get away with it if they didn't answer the damn door. Thanks for the call, Tom. <laughs> Appreciate it. Eight hundred two five and don't party on the front lawn or in the back. Backyard where the cops can just walk in on you. 800 259 9231. Hour 3 is coming up. Bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 per month. You'll get perks and you'll help us free more minds worldwide. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and we are launching into the third hour of the program. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. 
And that's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Gart. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Start things out here this hour by talking to Stephen in Oregon. Stephen, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Gard and Mark. Steve. Hey, uh, you brought up a little bit about the immigration thing, and it's not on my mind too much anymore because there's so much going on, but it is an important issue. Um, I, you know, I remember blogging back a long time ago about uh, you cannot make two cultures so quickly. And I, I, I You cannot what culture? I'm sorry. You cannot mix two cultures that quick. You cannot just take them come over the border in, in such, you know, millions and millions and stuff. And if you do that, you're going to have a problem. But they are coming over the borders in millions and millions. I know, but that's the point, though. You cannot, it's not that we're against, that I'm against uh, um, immigration, because I think, you know, melting pot is a really good thing. Okay. But time, you've got to be careful when you get too much, if you look at chemistry classes, for instance, you put too much to something into something that blows up and your hair is all burned. Yeah, yeah, but this, this see, Wait, I, this isn't I, chemistry, dude. Yeah, I have I have a slightly different different opinion than than you do on that. It's not chemistry. These are human beings with with incentives to get along, and that's why markets have existed despite governments, even before governments, since men interacted with other men who could do things better than they could, and they had a differentiation of labor. And and the the key thing for me to to acknowledge in this is that. You, even if you don't get cultural assimilation, for example, in Boston, they have a huge Chinatown, okay? A lot of the people in that Chinatown don't speak English at all, at all. San Francisco, the same thing, a huge Chinatown population there. But they get along through markets, even though they can't speak that well with other people. And the reason is because markets make the bridges between individuals. Now, the more you can communicate with each other, the better it gets. And, of course, the well, education system... they have an incentive system, to learn. Exactly. You have an incentive to learn. So the second generation knows English very well. They, they, they stand on the backs of their parents. They do even better than their the parents. The third generation cases. can't even speak the, 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 the foreign language anymore. In, in many cases. And, but the key thing, and I, I don't want to be, you know, slam, slam me too hard on the differences here uh, between us uh, on the phone and on the, on the show, but... No, you're fine. Go ahead. Yeah, and and I just I just in a, in a soft way I would just try to say I think the problems that many people see with the lack of cultural assimilation come from the mix of that with government in toto. So, it, for example, if if you didn't have government support systems like welfare, Medicaid, Medicare, government school systems where you had immigrants having to get housing English projects. as a second language, housing projects. Housing projects things. are a huge one because these people are stuck in little communities Precisely. together, and therefore they don't have to learn different languages. They don't have to assimilate different cultures. It's, in fact, these government programs that the government is the problem with immigration. It isn't the solution. Right. So, so in other words, I wouldn't say cultural assimilation so much as cultural integration. Uh, they become integrated with the whole. They not they're not diffused in a way, but they they end up becoming a, lar- a, a a part of a larger culture, a larger society. You know, and when government gets in there, the problems that people see are well, you know, for example, in Merrimack, New Hampshire, there was a pond or a lake where people were swimming. And they were going to post signs in in Spanish, and people didn't want that. That's our town, and we should be able to do what we want in our town. It's like, well, sorry, if those people are living there and they've lived, they've moved there, and they're getting their taxes expropriated from them, uh, then they should have a sign that they can read, too. It, it becomes very frustrating because you've got government in the mix. 
Okay, so then let's go on to the next thing here then. Is if, if okay, if, it seems like we're living on a lie because, see, they will not admit the North American Union, which they've done to, to Europe and they want in Asia and all this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. so it, maybe that's the whole point of this whole thing. Is of what whole government thing? lies are so bad that you cannot build a foundation on lies that will crumble. Does that make sense? Well, I'm not sure what you're referencing. What whole thing are you talking about? Well, come on, we want the North American Union. Who's you they? Know, they want the way they have the, you know, the European Union and stuff. You, you know the New World Order. And they, anybody I, I don't know them. Uh, who is it that loves the North American Union? You mean the government? Well, no, they're, you know, if, if, if there's someone who does, I mean, if you don't believe that there is an elite group of people that want to control the world, then probably I should hang up because it's very obvious there is. Well, even if there isn't, even if there isn't, let's say that you're opposed to the North American Free Trade Association, uh, NAFTA, GATT, the General Agreement on Tariffs and Trade. Okay, let's say you're you're against those. Um, are you worried that the American culture, because that, that seems to be a, a pretty important thing to you, that the American culture is being intentionally subverted by these types of of agreements, these international agreements, yeah, to bring in... I do kind of think that. Okay. Now, I'm not positive, but yes, I do kind of think that, because I think we could have been a really good country that could have been an example to people, that could have said, oh, bring in your visas, we're going to, you know, they should have... Mexicans have visas in 30 days. Well, see, they this is you're, you're much you're much yeah. more nationalistic than we are. Like you're using the no, term he's we. much less though than than a lot of people. He yes. says Mexicans should be able to get visas in 30 days. I agree, they yes. should be able to come here and work. Absolutely, if they're willing to work, they shouldn't get any free rides though. Well, and as far as there being a group of elites that would like to control the world, clearly there are people that want to control people. I mean, that's uh, yeah, that's, people want to control borders, like you. Right, you're not uh, a leader, but you no, want to control the world. Them. I want to do the right thing. What's that? What is you, the right you thing? You know that I supported the black people, you know, because of stuff. I really worked and went everything. And then when that came in, I mean, all this stuff, all these things that helped the black people out for the decades since the '60s, '70s, it's all gone. The black people are suffering because of, I'm trying to keep the whole picture. You know, right? I don't want to. I don't want to control or secure. I'm just want to do the right. Okay. Thing. So okay. what is it? Wait, wait. Yeah. What is the right thing for, for well, you? You know, number one, we could have is what I just mentioned. We could have had visas come in. You know, in 30 days, like I mentioned, get that. Why they could have done that. They don't do it because they want the, in the North American Union so they can control things. I see what you're and saying. We're living but, a lot. Wait, wait, but, I want to hear more. I want to hear more. Control that a little bit, and then if we would have been something, then we could have put a little bit of pressure on Mexico, for instance. You know, through political matters, saying, "Hey, we're doing it. You guys need to do it too." This could have worked out. This could have worked out. And it's... you do need to control your borders. You know, for instance, do you? You know, that's I the right at, thing to oh, do. I'll, no, I'll hang up right after this. But I, I, this is an important point. Is do you know? I looked this up. I like search engines; they're so cool. I, I get so creative. But I go, "How many Muslims live in Mexico?" And I typed it in. There's 500,000 Muslims in Mexico. Now, I'm fine with Muslims, I'm fine with Mexicans, I have no racial thing about me. But I do know that as we keep on attacking other countries, you know, their Muslims are going to get a call from their brother over there, and who knows, and they can just cross the border. So all this this airplane stuff that they do at the airports and all this other bombing and stuff, but our border is wide open in the south. 
Okay, so what I what I just heard from you, what what I just heard from you is something I agreed. There was a little nugget of something I agreed with in there, and that was that if the U.S. government uh, continues to attack other countries, that it increases the likelihood of uh, of terrorist strikes here. That much is true. So I, it sounds like we would agree on ending the military adventurism. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. Well, then, in that case, uh, then why would you, if, if, let's say, the military adventurism came to an end and that was all over and done with, you would still support uh, border controls? Oh, man, just not really. I don't know if you would want to call it control. What would you call it? I don't know a word for it, but it does need to be watched a little bit. It has to be. Yeah, no, no, that's a good one. I will be thinking about this and give you a call back. You have good points, and I appreciate them. Okay. Thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you tonight. I I understand the reticence. I absolutely do. I'm kind of, it it seems like a bad idea. Like you hear about uh, this this drug resistance tuberculosis. You know that tuberculosis is, uh, there's a lot more cases in Mexico than there are over here. It seems like a really great idea to quarantine uh, people with tuberculosis out of the country. However, um, what I've, uh, the conclusion I've come to is that, the what it would take to find out if somebody has tuberculosis when they come over the people with tb they're not going to uh, they're, they're going to sneak across the borders they're going to they're going to come across in other ways even if you just if the only goal of the uh, the the customs and ins people is just to keep people with drug resistant tuberculosis out of the country they're going to fail at that too yeah. they can't do anything properly because they're not incentivized they, properly. They can't, it doesn't matter if they are even incentivized uh, properly, uh, there's there's just no way to control that kind of a an area. I mean, you're talking about a tremendously large area. Anything they do will just turn into a bureaucratic boondoggle. They can't keep drugs out of their prisons, they can't keep underwear bombs out of their planes, and they sure as hell can't keep people from crossing the border. More coming up. Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com is the place to go. We've got the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies that have taken the time to send us their validated photo or video showing they are listeners of the program. And by the way, the Shrine is brought to you by Manchester Brewing where they realize that you have many beer choices, but does your beer make you bulletproof and invisible? We don't think so. Manchesterbrewing.com. We continue here uh, with your phone calls about what you want. It's Scott in Massachusetts. Scott, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes, good evening, gentlemen. What's on your mind tonight, Scott? How are you? Just super. Uh, I'd like to say that in regard to the terrorist incident in Detroit, you know... The chickens have come home to roost. That means that when the U.S. is in every country in the Middle East, Iraq, Pakistan, Afghanistan, soon war with Iran. Make, let's make no mistake about it. That's, that's the next game plan is to go into Iran. Uh, and you've got a billion Muslims over there. And what's going to happen is that we are bringing trouble home to the United States it's not a question of are we going to have more 9-11s. 
just as short as I'm talking to you, we are going to have more 9-11. Well, the, tra- the, uh, the alleged terrorist has claimed that there are more where he came from yeah, that absolutely. are planning on doing more. And this is one of the things you're absolutely right about, yes. Scott, is that uh, the military adventurism over in other countries, killing adventurism makes it sound like fun, uh, the military killing other people over in other countries is definitely angering a lot of folks. And uh, you start... You start eliminating people's family members and their friends. Eventually, you eliminate anything that they have uh, to live for, and they're going to go ahead and they'll, they'll kill themselves in order to, to make, a, make a statement. That's exactly it. And, you know, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier in the program. I made the point of, look, for those people who think that we're in some sort of so-called war on terror, which, of course, Congress never declared war, which means that there is no war, as anybody can tell. Uh, it's a military operation, a series of military operations in an unconstitutional, illegal fashion that are killing innocent people under the auspices of the war on terror. But the thing that gets me about it is you've got further government intervention of the United States in there, which only plays into the hands of recruiting more people to attack the United States. But they're not they're not going to do you ask a conservative. What's the what's the end game here? For the radical Islamists, well, they want to they want to bring down the U.S. What do you mean by that? You're not even thinking about your own phrasing. What do you mean bring down? They want to destroy us. I see. You're saying the same thing in a different ter- different terminology. Tell me what that means. Does that mean they're going to eliminate the so-called land of the free United States, destroy the government, destroy all the different state governments and all the 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 the, the uh, society that the governments no God they're going to take protect. over and turn the system into Sharia law? Yeah, that's what they think. And so I've made the point before. Look, and I I don't want to take up all your time here as you called in, but what gets me is when you actually ask them this question. They can't answer you because they give you that answer that Ian just gave. Well, they they they're going to try to they're going to try to take over America with Sharia law. They're going to convert all people to Islam. It's going like, to force everyone to wear burqas. And... Yeah. Well, killing innocent Americans doesn't really help the cause of recruiting people over to Sharia law, does it? So the 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 point is that their attacks on Americans are a result of their reaction to interventionism in the Middle East and work in the Middle East, paying off the Israelis, the Palestinians, the Egyptians, and all the other various people in the Hatfield and McCoy battles that have nothing to do with me and Ian and Mark in stinking New Hampshire. You know what's going to happen? What's going to happen is that, as you know, there's nuclear weapons in Pakistan. Yeah. Now, these, these terrorists are going to get their hands on, mark my words, it may be a year, it may be two years, they're going to get a hold of nuclear weapons from Pakistan. And they're ruthless, and they're going to take these weapons, and they're going to unleash them on the United States. And people who laugh at them call them towel heads, whatever. Let me tell you something. Barack, uh, not Barack, Osama bin Laden, a so-called towel head who's living in a cave somewhere, that's if he's alive, I do believe he's alive, he didn't do a bad job for a towel head who brought down our economy. Make no mistake, he had an instrumental role in destroying our economy, bankrupting our nation over $3 trillion in Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and counting. Has the whole Muslim world hate our guts? And I'll tell you, you may, well, what's the solution? One of the solutions to this is because of the aid we give to Israel. Is Israel the whole problem? No. But it is a major thorn in the side of the Muslim world, and they are infuriated that we give aid to Israel, and they use this blood money 
to massacre innocent and helpless Palestinians, which they do. And it's a lopsided, it's a one-way street. And what we've done is we've, and another thing I want to say. By the way, Scott, foreign uh, foreign aid goes to dictators and despots all around the world, not just in that particular but that area. Does, but he's right. It does matter to those Muslim people a great deal. Oh, the, no, the, no, the, yeah, the, right. the radicals do care. He's I'm just right saying, about that. All foreign aid needs to stop, not just Israel, but any uh, money that is being handed out to uh, by the government to other people around the world. It's not going to people. It's not feeding poor people or anything like that. It's going to enrich bureaucrats. It's going to empower the very people that are doing the oppressing in many of these uh, many of these places so you're right about what you're saying but it's also it's also a much larger problem than just israel it's a multi-billion dollar problem that involves a lot of uh, countries around the world you know i want to leave you with a thought and it's not we scott it's them it's that what it's the old cliche and it's so true in life what goes around comes around and when you if if, if you're rotten to your neighbor he's going to throw it right back at you and what's happening is that, is that what I am afraid of, and every American should be afraid of, is that one day there's going to be another 9-11, but the only difference is it's going to be 100 times greater in magnitude yeah. than what happened on September 11th. And it's going to happen if we continue to meddle in the Middle East and infuriate these. And the next thing I'm worried about is we're going to be involved in a war with Iran because we're trying to get involved in their elections. And we have our finger in every pie. And uh, the question is simple that I and I want maybe you could answer it tonight. When is this involvement? When's this madness going to stop? Thanks for the call tonight, Scott. I appreciate hearing from you. As far as when it's going to stop, again, uh, correcting your language, it's not we. It's them. I have nothing to do with this. I won't support it. I won't uh, pay for it. I will not be involved, and I will not be associated with it. But as far as ending it is concerned, I think we're right back to the uh, the answer with the TSA. How do you stop the TSA? I don't think there's much you can do. How do you stop these people from warmongering around the world? Don't think you can. The right. Republicans aren't going to stop it. And the Democrats aren't going to stop it. <laughs> I mean, that's it's it's so funny. You talk to people who believe in peace. Um, these these peacenickers out there, and they really believe um, that that you know electing a Democrat's a really good idea. Obama's was going to stop it. Just I, give him another twelve years. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, sure. he said he was going to get us out of Iraq. It'll well, be the UN. It's, he set as a goal that like the day he leaves office on the first term, if he doesn't get elected the second time. So I mean, it's it, he's a very tricky political move. The, Democrats want nothing to do with peace. They want to jam uh, socialized medicine down our throats, but where's the peace? You know, that's an excellent point. Over at the Liberty Conspiracy, one of our uh, forum participants mentioned that he got into a left-wing blog uh, forum uh, in order to try to recruit some people to the libertarian cause, and he tried to appeal to them on the anti-war sentiment. He said they were much more interested in instituting socialism and fascism and health care and bringing down American businesses than than they were in ending wars. 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. I do see one way out. It's not an easy path. We'll tell you about it coming up. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves. If you dial in toll-free, bring up anything. 800-259-9231. 
That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free on the site, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Features including the updates. Get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. So we've been talking tonight about some very frustrating situations. Uh, We talked about the TSA. And how they just keep getting more intrusive and more oppressive, and what do you do about it? Somebody suggested boycotting the uh, boycotting air travel. That's just going to, in my opinion, put the airlines out of business, and the TSA is still going to have big budgets, and it's not going to do anything to them. Uh, how do you get rid of them? Well, well also we were talking about, uh, j- just a moment ago, Scott in Massachusetts asked the question of, well, how do you f- end this problem of warmongering, of the government going around the world and, and killing people, angering people, and causing blowback and uh, terrorist attacks to happen here? And, uh, you right. know, and gar- it's not like the government's going around the world uh, killing uh, you know, p- people that are less likely to do something. They're not going after the Tibetans, who are uh, you know, people who largely believe in peace. They're going after these, <laughs> the, the, you know, some of the, uh, the most radical uh, uh you know religious people on the planet uh, you know my friend visited afghanistan back in the 70s and he said oh no wonder the russians couldn't win there these people play uh play like death polo with a goat's head uh, you know <laughs> these these are not the people that you want to uh you know to kill their families and upset them Right. So uh, the question is, how do you stop the warmongering? And as uh, Garden, you guys pointed out, it's not the Democrats are going to stop it. Uh, The Republicans sure as hell aren't going to do it. So how do you do it? Well, okay, here's my proposal. Same one as it all is it always is. We always have new At listeners. least we have one. Yeah. yeah this yeah. is it. this is it. I think that and and if you've got a better idea, I'd love to hear about it. Please at 800-259-9231. You get people that love liberty together in the same place and you declare independence and you get the hell out of the United States federal government. That's the only way. That's the only way. Then you're not sending your money to be part of bombing and killing people around the world. That you have no connection whatsoever to it anymore. You become an independent uh, plot of land or country or whatever the heck you want to call it, completely separate from the United States. i got to tell you, Ian, I think it's going to take a while. I think there's going to be a phase for some of these people who are going to the tea parties and so on, not the folks who Oh, it's who are, not easy. Exactly. I think it'll be there'll be one more phase where they give it a shot on the federal level. And they try yes. to bring about change, and they you know get vengeance in the ballot box and things yeah, like right. that. And then when that fails, hopefully they will have their their ears open. Well, all along there are going to be people that are going to be waking up, and yeah. if we can give them this message that there is a possibility that it's not an easy route, but it is simple. It's a simple concept. Get people that love liberty together, same place, get the hell out of the United States. Very simple. It's just a matter of getting it to happen. That's the tricky part. Luckily, we've got the Free State Project, which, by the way, isn't officially a secessionist uh, organization, uh, but the Free State Project is dedicated to bringing liberty-oriented people all to the same place, and that's where the Free State Project uh, mission ends, uh, bringing people that that, uh, believe in the maximum role of government should be the protection of life, liberty, and property, which means that people like you and I, Gard, are included that don't want anything to do with a coercive government. Exactly. Bringing people that love freedom together to the same place, that's what the Free State Project is about. You can learn more and get signed up 
because the sooner you can get here right. to New Hampshire, the sooner we can get the hell out of the United States. Well, I don't know that uh, I, I, I am for secession of the the state of New Hampshire and honestly secession of all states. But I think that there are still interim steps that states can take by declaring, you know, sort of uh, autonomy from the federal government. Look, we don't need because states are autonomous. Uh, Call it whatever entities. you want, man. Whatever. It, I'm, I'm just saying that they can do such things. Long as I'm not sending my money to kill people. That's step one. The solutions um, that the the Free State Project offer, you know, the, you know, coming here and working for liberty, it's not an easy solution, as you'd said. But there is no other solution to what's going on with Good the federal luck. government. Right. Please right. call in and tell me one. I hear I'd it. love to hear it. I would. I, I would. You know, I was just down in Florida and enjoying the nice warm weather, and uh, you know, I would love to hear something that didn't include ice and snow, but. I don't think it's out there, and that's why I came here, and that's why I'm willing to deal with this. That's that's a great point, especially when you look at the size of New Hampshire geographically. You look at the size population-wise. Uh, do you think you're going to get more bang for your time buck, more bang for your physical buck, putting it into trying to change things on a national level with all the other people and all the other states and all the disparate interests and conflicts that they have? Or do you think that by getting together with people where geographically you can – Hook up with people, meet them, talk to them in person, get help from their various organizations, have fun with them, and start thinking about ways to change things. Whether you want to run for office or cause a little bit of a change on your local level, this is the place to do it. And you can. It's not like you're trying to change the Senate or something like that. (laughs) You want to talk about impossible. Yeah. Anyway, if yeah. you've actually spent time here in New Hampshire recently uh, and visited and met some of these activists, you know that there are some amazing possibilities that are that are coming to fruition here. We just had uh, Bill from Kentucky, one of our callers, uh, visiting here in Keene over the past few days. And he uh, is about ready to leave and go back to Kentucky for a little while while he wraps everything up and saves some money to move up here. He is so jazzed up. He says this was way better than he even expected it to be. And when you come up here during the middle of the year when it's – or during the middle of the winter, you don't – there's not the most stuff happening right now necessarily. But on Christmas Eve – there was a excuse me Christmas Day on Christmas Day there was a, a party going on here in Keene and it was at that party that they decided to spontaneously just decided to go drive a half an hour out to the jail and Christmas carol outside uh, of the jail outside the back door by the gym where you can hear through the door and people that that were in the gym which they've got like. 70 people or 30 people in the gym. Uh, they call it the multi-purpose room because if you call it a gym, it's illegal to keep people there. But if you rename it to the multi-purpose room, it's completely legal. Uh, but anyway, they uh, they went and just on the you know the drop of a hat, called up the Pork 411 phone number, which is an emergency uh, not an emergency number, but an informational number that allows you to distribute uh, a message to hundreds of recipients. They called that up. Ten people came out on Christmas Day with an hour's notice or a two hours notice went out to the jail on Christmas Day when uh, most people would not want to go anyway. They just want to spend the day with their family. These folks took the time out of their Christmas Day, went out and caroled by the uh, the the, uh, the jail, and that just really blew him away. Plus, he hung out with uh, lots of the Keniacs here in the area. We yeah. went to came out to Social Sundays yesterday, uh, played some Monopoly, and, and had That's a good old time. And, and i got to tell you, you know, when I mentioned freekeen.com over at Liberty Conspiracy... LibertyConspiracy.com, that's your blog site, by the way. Thank There's uh, audio, podcasts, and all kinds of stuff there that's for right. them. Yeah, we try to we try to put out a lot of stuff, but when I mention you guys, I really mean it. You know, you can see some real neat ideas that come out of the freedom movement, particularly here in Keene. It's great. So let's go to your phone calls. Uh, that's the solution. And again, I'd love to hear a better one. 
if it's, if there's one out there uh, as far as how things are supposed to change. Let's continue with Linda listening in Indiana. Linda, you're on Free Talk Live with the In Garden Mark. Yes, good evening. Hi, Linda. Uh, tell me what you know about the biomass incinerators, a company called Liberty Green, uh, are starting up here to be an electric company, they say, to burn trash, lumber, corn. Uh, 30 to 40 of them supposed to be starting up in the USA. Hmm. Um, they use a large amount of water and dump a lot of chemicals into the water supply and streams. And I just didn't know if you had any information on I have not heard anything about that. You're saying they're going to burn trash for energy? That's what they say in trees and corn. and. doesn't sound like it'd be too um, And I, I've been efficient. told by... Right, by a person who was over the electric department recently. He said they didn't. He didn't think they would get much electric out of it. Doesn't sound like it. So Seems like they get it. some heat. Must be another goal. Yeah, I can see. I just uh, did some googling uh, on this, and I can see that there's some dispute in your area about Liberty Green and uh, the biomass incinerators, and even uh, Senator Evan Bayh has weighed right. in on this. And uh, I don't know. This is clearly being politicized. Uh, what I would do is look into uh, whether or not these people are trying to get uh, political strings pulled to be in this area and uh, what sort of impediments are being put in their way to perhaps extract money from them before they're allowed to do what they want to do. And then, of course, you can compare and see what the environmental impact could be. Linda, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. And we're going to get guard over there at... Uh Startpage.com to that Google stuff. Yes, We're coming up. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves even in these remaining moments. Toll free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line, 800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And guard. And Mark, join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, and if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com, and that is amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. That simple. They have dozens of categories in which you can shop. Plus, you can even buy used items if you need to through Amazon. Uh, Amazon's great, man. They've got free Super Saver shipping on a whole bunch of their brand new items. Head on over to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com and get your shopping done. You know, I was uh, I was I was waiting for a friend who was in the post office today, and I was I had my tote of sacks that are, that sit conveniently in the uh, the, the, the sort of uh, it's a, it's a cubby hole near the, um, the the glove box, but I had them in my hands, and you know, I was thinking about it. Uh, all these states, many states have laws against brass knuckles, and uh, so many people would spend so much money for brass knuckles. But a two-pack of Tota Sacks is far more useful <laughs> than a pair of brass knuckles because yeah. you, you can walk around with them. You could hang them off your pocket. They're just a they're grocery bag handle. Right. But, um, in fact, these things, there's, I think they can handle 400 pounds of, uh, of, of, of something hanging on them, so I can only imagine. More than the, you can hold. Yeah, they're, they're made out of recycled engine parts they're they're extremely strong and they're probably as strong as any brass knuckles out there and and the people that that like to have these kinds of things on them for for whatever reason brass knuckles uh, protection or or whatever Tota sacks you can get a six pack for twelve bucks. Where are you going to get brass knuckles for twelve? I don't. I don't know what. Possible. I don't know precisely what the price is, but I know that it's relatively inexpensive. Maybe it's twelve bucks for two. I can't remember off the top of my head. 
I can tell you, I wouldn't want to get cracked in the in the head with one of those things. Uh, yeah, it it, it 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 it's good night, Gracie. Once that happens, <laughs> uh, I can plus tell you. make it really easy to bring groceries back in from the car. That's, yeah, it's it's, it's that's why I have that. them. So uh, if you go to totasack.com, like I am now, just to finding find out what the pricing is on the uh, the six packs versus versus the two packs. T o t a s a k dot com. Yeah, you can go get a. I recommend getting a family pack because it's significantly uh, more. Um, Cost effective to get the to get the family pack, and you can give a, a couple away to a couple away to people that uh, you know and love. A two pack is uh, twelve ninety nine. A family pack is uh, sixteen ninety five, and you can go over there at totasack t o t a s a k dot com and and get a pair. All right, toll free number eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We've been talking about secession here on the show quite a bit tonight as a as a what I think is probably the most viable solution to uh, or declaring independence if you want to be more positive. Uh, but uh, the the most viable solution to all of the depravity and the atrocities of the federal government, and no one has bothered to suggest a better one. But here's another reason to do it. The Obama administration's decision to cover an unlimited amount of losses at the mortgage finance giants Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac over the next three years stirred controversy over the holiday. This story according to the Wall Street Journal. The Treasury announced on Thursday that it was removing the caps that limited the amount of available capital to the companies to $200 billion each. So the $200 billion caps... They're gone. Gone. Now it's open season, and the federal government can just step in and bail out as as much as uh, these uh, Freddie Mae and whatever the hell they are, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, uh, wants. And, of course, those were created, as we've said before, just like FDR started to push the airports. They were created by open-ended interpretations of the Interstate Commerce Clause. Well, you see, we need Fannie Mae and we need Freddie Mac. Fannie Mae was started by FDR's administration, uh, or during FDR's administration. Uh, uh, Freddie Mac was started in the 1960s. Uh, Fannie Mae buys up these packaged mortgage securities put out by the banks. And I hear from so many people, there weren't enough regulations on the banks, see? It's it's runaway free markets. That's what caused it's like. No, you're a pinhead. Shut up. I'm so sick of hearing this nonsense from yeah. you and Michael Moore and all the other numbskulls out there who As don't understand. there's anything free market about the banking system. Exactly. There were a few of us in like 2002 who were talking about how the government was pursuing a runaway inflation policy that was going to cause all sorts of problems. And guess what happened? Yeah. Amazingly, when interest rates went down near zero, a bunch of people who shouldn't have gotten housing loans started to get loans. Called adjustable rate mortgages, which could adjust upwards when the Fed raised rates. In addition to that, they had this crazy, wacky thing called redlining, which the government used to force banks that wanted to merge to have to hand out loans to people in the inner cities who shouldn't have gotten loans. And I, I draw the example of Shawmut Bank and Bank of New England in the late 90s, mid 90s. The Clinton administration was pressuring those guys to give out loans to people in, like, Roxbury and South Boston who couldn't afford house loans. Then you had the Bush administration. I want to have the Home Ownership Society. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, of course, a bunch of people got houses. And then what happens? Then the banks sell off these very risky loans that they've handed out because the banks got the money cheap. So they lend out the money very inexpensively when they should lend it out higher And, of course, they've been pressured by the government to do this in proportions that do not reflect the real risks that they should be taking. And then Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac create 
consumers for their bad debt. Then the loans all go defunct as people start to uh, start to default on their mortgages. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are left with a bunch of what they called toxic assets, which were not assets at all. They were in the red. And now the government bails them out, as they always promised they would at the very inception right. of them during the 30s and the 60s. So again... The the numbskull, I'm so, man, I'm telling you, man, I'm so ripped tonight. I'm so angry. <laughs> it's like these idiots out there who who claim that the free market failed. It's like what what free market are you talking about? Yeah. In this case, uh, it's not just it's not just the government bailing out Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. It's you and I. It's everybody in this country that's bailing them out through the process of inflation, through the the process of the uh, the Federal Reserve just creating money from thin air and sending it in however many billions of dollars they're demanding to these these uh, govern essentially semi government agencies right Fannie yeah, Mae Freddie Mac absolutely so they print out all this money they well, in many cases it's not actually being printed it's just incrementing zeros in a in a machine somewhere but the effect is the same they're they're adding money to the money supply that's inflation that is essentially stealing value right out of your pocket so even if you don't pay income tax even if you do everything you can to avoid uh, sending your money to the federal government, as long as you're still using the Federal Reserve notes, you are bailing out involuntarily these companies. You are oh, yeah. bailing out Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. You're and, bailing out GM. You're bailing out all these other uh, Bank and, of America. And, you know, there's something else that can be learned here very quickly, which is that people are at in 2002, one of the major reasons that they pursued this inflationary policy to devalue and destroy the buying power of each dollar that we have in our pockets to throw more dollars out into the bidding game of us bidding on the products that are out there to make each dollar less powerful in the bidding game because there are more out there. In 2002, one of the major reasons they did that was because American manufacturers were complaining that there was a so-called trade deficit with foreign countries. That, in other words, the dollar was fairly strong relative to the other currencies. Although it's been devalued at least 2% every year since the creation of the Federal Reserve, it was still less devalued than other currencies at the time. So Americans had a stronger dollar, and they were using this strong dollar to buy foreign goods. They could get more of these things. That's good. You get more for your money. That's a good thing. And foreigners were buying fewer American products, so these American manufacturers who had sway in Washington said, you better do something about this. So Washington pressured the Fed, and the Fed lowered interest rates, making the dollar less valuable. So what happened? We started to see fewer foreign goods being bought by Americans, right? Okay. Well, when those dollars go overseas, those dollars come back. It's called the balance of payments. They never talk about this. They always say that there's a trade imbalance, right? What they don't say is what we purchase in goods sends money over to those countries. They don't magically transfer into some other type of currency. They're still dollars, and they come back here in the form of investments. When they come back here in the form of investments, that's good. Creating new jobs, new business. Exactly. Let's go to Dan in Alabama. Dan, you're on Free Talk Live in these remaining moments. Go ahead. Well, it's actually Van, B-A-N. It's, oh, How y'all tonight? Van. Van. Yes. Oh, Van. Hey, Van, go ahead. You're on the air. Okay, long time listener. First time I caught you. Uh, had a uh, handicapped drug dealer. Five cops broke in his house. And his wife had a tape recorder. Do you remember that? Yes, Back Eugene week? Seiler, the case, I think it was in Tennessee. Uh, yeah, well, y'all were in Florida back then. Yeah. And uh, since I've been listening to you, I started out. Van, i got to tell you, you got about 30 seconds here before we're done with the show, so go quick. 
Okay, secession. Be careful. Uh, uh, Winston County, Alabama, tried it during the Civil War. Uh, now, 70% of the county is a national forest. And if uh, y'all lose, you'll end up, uh, New Hampshire will be 70%. Well, hey, I, I'm, it's, you know, I understand it's, uh, it's not an easy road, but it's one worth traveling, I think. Thanks for the call. We're out of time. Ben Ian here with you. And Garth. And Mark. See you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right. The Edgington Post interview series has resumed after uh, the holiday hiatus. And my first guess is is one that I enjoyed very much when we interviewed uh, on Free Talk Live hmm, probably close to a year ago. It's Aaron David Ward. Is that correct, Aaron? You have it right, sir. It's three names, one comedian. <laughs> and you did a show at uh, Porkfest, and it was it was funny. I, I enjoyed libertarians, comedians. It's not words that go together generally. Well, I, I guess not, although I think you'll find in the stand-up comedy world there's a strong libertarian streak that runs through quite a number of comedians, whether they overtly express it on stage or not. I think they're is something about being a stand-up. I mean, you're probably already an outsider, so you probably already see life from a different perspective than a lot of people do, and that's probably what drives most people to perform stand-up. It's an individual art form. It really is the essence of individuality. And so I think in many ways stand-up and libertarian philosophy, political or otherwise, go hand in hand. Got it. Well, it, it makes us, you, make, you make a strong argument. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know you were going to get a college lecture on this, did you? <laughs> I, I, I really don't understand the business of, uh, of, of what it's like being in stand-up. I, I can hardly imagine. It sounds, like it's, uh, it sounds like it's a tough, tough, tough business. Uh, yes, you're pretty much doomed to a life of obscurity and poverty. So if you enjoy those two, especially together, stand-up is the best place in the world to be. I love that. Um, no, actually, I, I, I truly do love it. Uh, I've always loved making people laugh, especially family and friends. And then uh, about seven or eight years ago, when I was fired from a job at the age of 30, and I was living at home in my parents' basement, suddenly I decided, uh, with no money left, that uh, I needed to start making people laugh uh, who had been drinking heavily on Friday and Saturday nights, because that would somehow validate my existence. Yeah, so making money I've, wouldn't uh, do that. <laughs> I've pursued that uh, aggressively for almost eight years now. <laughs> so um, eight, eight years, that's a long uh, comedy career. It seems like uh, you know when you see comedians sort of make it, you notice them, and then they hit big. And I—that's, but but I can't say that I pay a heck of a lot of attention. Do you, you know? So I imagine there's a lot of buildup before that. You know, you notice them. Uh, you know, section in time. Well, eight years, I suppose, in other professions or trades sounds like a long time, but probably in the stand-up world, you're still considered a neophyte, basically. And it probably takes you about fifteen to twenty years. I mean, to really, really hone your craft. Um, and I would say that uh, a lot of these folks that you eventually hear about in the mainstream media, you know, they've probably been at it for 15 to 20 years before they really start to get serious money. 
And uh, then, really, your your money starts to flow in from other projects, too. I mean, uh, some of the guys, some of the biggest names in the business, Chris Rock, Dennis Miller, uh, the guys on the Blue Collar Comedy Tour, you know, a lot of their money's being made from things other than just stand-up. So they're producing movies, they're acting, they're producing television shows, they're acting in television shows, they've got books out. So there are other revenue streams coming in. When you're on your way up, your primary revenue stream is basically your act. And so uh, it, it's a long, arduous way up. But you know what? If, if it's what you love to do, like me, then it's worth the, it's worth the poverty and obscurity, I guess. Now, um, I, the, only, the, the very little I know about stand-up, uh, you know, probably television, and then I used to go to this place called McCurdy's Comedy Theater in, uh, in Sarasota, Florida, and I know they, they sold tickets, uh, you know, cover charge, and then they had a, a drink minimum. And I'm just wondering, do you get paid based on um, the amount of tickets that they sell, or do they give you, a, a, you know, your, your, your fee and then hope to sell tickets to, ma- to match that? Well, if you're booked at a club, then there's usually a set fee that you're going to get. It's a flat fee that you're going to get for the weekend or for the show or for the several shows, whatever you're going to do. Uh, if you're a, a, a real big draw, you may probably negotiate a door deal because you're, if you're able to put two, three, four, five hundred people in seats at a, at a big club, you're probably going to have some sort of a door deal in your contract. But you know, the, there are, stand-up in America in 2009, it's like a double-edged sword when it comes to television and movies. It's almost as if if you're on TV, um, let me back up. Years ago, people used stand-up as a springboard to get into movies and TV, and yes. they still do. However, in today's world, in today's media uh, online universe, it's almost the exact opposite. It's almost like you have to have been on TV and movies in order to be a huge draw at a club or at a theater uh, so that it's the reverse. Like the movie and TV appearance is what drives people to go want to see you live. Uh, so it's kind of a weird thing. It's like flip-flops from the way it used to be. Hmm. I'm kind of hoping that at some point, it's going to the pendulum is going to swing back the other way, where just simply being really good at stand up is what matters most. Uh, which is not to say that people that have major film and TV credits aren't good at stand up. Many of them are. It's just that you would hope that the public would judge you based on the craft and your ability to be good at that, as opposed to whether or not you, uh, you know, uh, punched somebody on a reality TV show. <laughs> yeah, I, I having not much watched much reality TV, I don't know, but I, I, I have heard that the guy that played Kramer, um, did, you know, was doing a, a comedy tour, but wasn't really particularly a great comedian. He was just a good comedic actor. Well, yeah, you know, it's funny, you know, it's weird how, uh, you know, I guess people get into that because they think, well, you know, casting agents and directors, especially in L.A. or New York City, well, they might see me at a club and they might cast me in something else if I show them I can create stand-up. But the guy who played Kramer, he he did not come from a stand-up comedy background. He's a comedic actor, and the two animals are are definitely different. Um, It's unfortunate that you know, he he didn't realize that shouting the N-word 27 times or whatever he did is uh, not exactly a brilliant stand-up comedy move. It's a, You know, I mean, if he had a socially relevant point in there, maybe, but there was, no, there was no funny to it. It was just an attack on somebody based on their race. Yeah. You know, it was like, hey, 
where, you know, if you're going to use the word, at least have something creative to say that's funny, you know? Well, doing a doing a uh, uh, you know talk show host uh, for being a talk show host for a living and and doing you know live uh, spoken word entertainment, I I know that sometimes you have a tendency to say things that uh, you regret. However, I think that that word should just be eliminated from the lexicon. So um, that's you know yeah, that's my I mean, policy. I, you know, I don't know why anybody, regardless of race, would want to use that word. Period. I mean, it 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 does nothing to diminish another human being to the point of. Somebody who essentially what that N-word means is somebody who does not want to improve their station in life. So essentially you're reducing everyone to being essentially lazy, regardless of their race. That, that's what that word reduces people to. And it's like, you know, to call somebody you don't even know that word, uh, it, it's just lazy and, and ethically and morally problematic. So, um you know, and rap artists love to say they've reclaimed that word and used it in their own way, but then they wind up diminishing people of their own race with that word, which I've never understood either. I don't want to take anyone's freedom of speech away from him or her. Hey, you want to use it. It's up to you whether you use it. I, don't, I certainly don't want government intervening and telling me I can or cannot use what words I want to use. Uh, I just think as a personal choice, I don't want to use that word. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not for me. Um... So I, I, you know, I'm thinking, uh, you know, there's lots of things happened in 2009, and I don't think the Kramer incident was actually in 2009. <laughs> but um, you know, we're we're looking back, doing a retrospective here. What are some news stories that kind of uh, popped your cork in 2009? Well, I'll tell you, you know, the bailouts continued. I'm still waiting for the bailout for the really little people. You know, the people who are too small to succeed. You know, like what happens when the uh, the liquor store, the corner independently owned liquor store has to close. You know, where's the bailout for that guy? You know, actually drunks will actually have to go and get real treatment at that point. You know, like <laughs> what happens if the uh, independently owned uh, the corner laundromat fails? Where are the suburban soccer moms going to go to sit their little uh, cherubs down for 15 minutes apiece in front of a spin cycle? You know, where's the bailout for those people? Does anybody do laundromats anymore? I mean, I thought that was just for college students. <laughs> oh, well, you know, who knows? You know, who knows? In, the, in today's day and age, uh, people are so strapped for cash, they probably still can't afford uh, uh, dryers and washers of their own. People are still schlepping to the laundromat. So, When uh, I was little, we went to the laundromat, I, I must say. I, you know, I, I enjoy the laundromat every now and then. Really, it's, it's kind of like a casino or a bus station. It's a psychological study in a cross-section of America. Really, I'm telling you, if psychologists and psychiatrists were serious about doing a real case study of Americans, go to a laundromat. I'm telling you, man, there are more psychoses on display there <laughs> than uh, you'll find at your uh, local therapist's lounge. Sometimes you'll find some very strange folks at the laundromat. That's true. <laughs> So what are some other stories that have uh you know you found interesting in 2009? Well, I'll tell you recently uh I couldn't believe when I read about this and I read about it uh on a um a UK website. I think it was uh, either the BBC or the Guardian and I love reading the Guardian and and uh the BBC websites because they often point out the ridiculousness of American culture and especially Leviathan's uh, missteps uh, more brilliantly and more regularly than some American media, present company excluded. Um, It's true. And uh, it's amazing to me. Like I read on, I think it was the BBC website, they had a story about the Washington, D.C. detective who apparently was being pelted by snowballs in a massive snowball fight in Washington, D.C. And this, this moron whipped out, reportedly whipped out a gun. Oh, God. 
during this snowball fight. And, and, and I just thought to myself, see, this is, this is exactly what's wrong with some police officers in America. They, they've got this idea that I've got a handgun, and he, heck, apparently I can menace people whose viewpoints or whose actions I don't agree with. I mean, what happened to the old-fashioned, hey, if you pelt me again with uh, snowballs, you're going, uh, you're going to jail for a night, you know? But to whip out a gun, I mean, all I could think about was, uh, was the untouchables, where uh, the Chicago cop played by Sean Connery in that 87 movie, he he, he uses a uh, derogatory term for Italians in that movie, and he basically says, in a politically correct way, I'm going to phrase it, uh, just like an Italian to bring a knife to a gunfight. Yes. Well, apparently in Washington, it's just like a Washington, D.C. detective to bring a knife to a snowball fight. <laughs> um, so I actually wrote a, a story about that recently and, uh, and put it on uh, – it was published on LouRockwell.com. And that's one of my favorite libertarian uh, political websites to visit, and I've contributed to that website from time to time, and Lou's been kind enough to put my stuff on there. And So I, I can only presume, apparently, they're going to start issuing flamethrowers to Washington, D.C. police because they need a non-lethal means of deterring your average snowball hurler. Yeah, they'll probably live through it, <laughs> getting blasted by napalm. It's, it's there's exactly. a chance. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't know what it is. Our post-9-11 culture, we've basically overreacted in every single way possible to every potential, quote, threat, end quote, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, you hear with, yeah. the new, with, the, with the Nigerian fellow there that um, apparently you're now no longer going to be able to have anything on your lap for the last hour of a flight. I'm really interested in as to why that... Well, there goes, there goes the Mile High Club right there. Uh, that, that... <laughs> You've ended the Mile High Club permanently at that point. That's right. Nothing on your lap for an hour before the flight lands. I'm sorry. Uh, the, the flight attendants will be disappointed, and so will the horny passengers, unfortunately. <laughs> Apparently, you're riding on other planes uh, than I am. But <laughs> God bless you, anyway. <laughs> it's the life of a rich, famous libertarian comedian, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'm lucky I can afford coach on Greyhound. The, uh, I, I, I'm trying to uh, – I wonder why it is that something can't be on your lap an hour before landing. I mean, why is it that it couldn't be the whole flight? I, I, I don't really know. I mean, does well, it matter when the they blow up the plane? Of, this is the ridiculousness of government. You know, instead of having private uh, airport security or the airlines each paying for their own uh, security or each testing out their own market uh, – methods for providing security. No, we get the one-size-fits-all government approach where we've adopted these ridiculous, uh, you know, ridiculous uh, efforts to try to, quote, stem terrorism. Uh, you know, it's just, it just baffles my mind that these are the kinds of rules that they come up with, you know. It's, um, uh, it's gotten to the point where it's like you just people are just going to stop flying because it's just too much of a hassle. So uh, I guess uh, if you're a private train company, you better start uh, praying for more ridiculousness rules to be in place uh, in airports because uh, you're going to get a boatload of passengers real quick. Is there a private passenger train service in America? That, uh, well, I don't think so, long but haul? there ought to be for sure. You know, I well, mean, certainly Amtrak can't seem to turn a profit. So. No, not yet. <laughs> they're, they're hoping yeah, for still, 2010, though. 
Exactly. I think 2020, they might have it nailed down, you know? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I've looked at, because I'm one of those guys that doesn't want to fly domestically. I, the, the, the domestic flights are down more than 20% at this point, and it's basically the people that have the option of flying or not are not doing it, at least a percentage of them are, and but you know there's certain certain distances one can travel in an airplane more quickly than one can in a car or on a train and that's you know that's about all there you know that's about all there is if it if it's anywhere near washington dc or i i guess a, a thousand mile radius of me 70 uh, 750 mile radius i'm, I'm probably going to drive but you know, when it gets beyond well, that what i don't get you know, in Japan, in the, the Japan has had bullet trains in operation since the '60s, <laughs> but apparently here in the United States, uh, all we can muster is bullets on trains. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I just don't understand why other countries are able to do it and have. You know, back in the uh, 1800s or so, we had a great transcontinental railroad. And then, of course, um, the trucking industry, the construction industry, the airline industry started lobbying the hell out of Congress to start building a huge uh, uh, interstate highway system, of course, which was the rationale for the interstate highway system in the 50s was, of course, to allow people to escape cities in the case of a nuclear attack by the Russians. So it was basically marketed to Congress and to the American people as a national security measure. Except now we've got a gigantic highway system that now relies on us importing 70% or more of our oil from all kinds of places around the world that are really not great places to be doing business with. And so now our interstate highway system, which was built as a national security initiative, has now become a national security problem. <laughs> there you go. So That's the government for you. Uh, uh, I, I guess that's government for you. You know, hey, if you don't have a problem, we'll create one for you. <laughs> that's and, and if you do have a problem that we created, we'll make a bigger one to fix it. Exactly. Exactly. You have to love government, really, if not just for the sheer amusement. Yes. And if, if, yeah, if not for the sheer amusement, there's always the dead bodies that they pile up uh, in their wake. Yeah, exactly, exactly. A so, sad, a, a sad but true uh, a case for uh, for government. You know, it's funny. I was raised in a very politically conservative household until I reached the age of reason, when I realized that, uh, you know, I was not a conservative. That I thought I initially was, but really I was a libertarian for a long time before I even discovered libertarian political philosophy. And then I started reading more and more about. Austrian economics. And, um, you know, when you talk to people about Austrian economics, the average Joe on the street, you raise that subject. They're like, Austrian economics, is that the way that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger made most of his money? They're like, they, nobody has a clue no. in America, uh, except for a very small group of people, which I think is growing, thankfully due to blogs and shows like Free Talk Live about what Austrian economics is. It's but growing. Certainly in, y you never hear about it in school. No, they don't talk about that stuff. That's contrary to uh, to what funds them. They would never do that. But you can sound smart by saying Ludwig von Mises. <laughs> well, apparently, yes. I guess that's the one name that some people recognize. You know, uh, either that or they think he was an obscure German composer. One yes. or the other. Well, that's that Ludwig, Ludwig von. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Vaughn and Ludwig in anything create, uh, turns anyone into a, a classical composer. Well, it's it's the other famous Ludwig Vaughn, you know. What, what are you going to yes, do? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, if... Uh, 
where can people see your shows, um, Aaron? And uh, I mean, you know, what what are up, what are some upcoming shows, and how can people uh, get you into you know uh, venues that are nearby them? How can they support uh, libertarian comedy, that kind of thing? Sure. Uh, well, if you go right to my website, my website address is Aaron David Ward. It's A A R O N D A V I D. W-A-R-D, AaronDavidWard.com. That has my schedule posted right on my homepage. And I'm actually headlining my own independently produced comedy tour. Uh, after eight years now, I'm, I've been headlining a number of shows for the past uh, year or more now, uh, not just in clubs and, and uh, one-night venues, but I've also been bringing my show to small black box theaters and restaurants and bars I've basically been trying to find small cities, towns, and villages that do not have stand-up comedy clubs so that my bringing a show to that is kind of fresh and new and different. And my act is uh, has some libertarian political commentary in it, uh, some social and cultural uh, commentary in it, and it's also self-deprecating, too. There's a lot of uh, – there's a lot of um, – bits in there about my own failings, my own foibles. And so there's a little bit in there for a lot of different segments of, of the population, but it's ultimately uniquely me. So if you go right to my website, AaronDavidWard.com, uh, my schedule is right there. So how can people help you help you find these uh, black box theaters that you're referring to, these well, restaurants, hey, places, if venues? They, if they're in a small city, town, or village that doesn't have a, uh, a comedy club and they would love to bring my show, I have an opening act who works with me. We do a 90-minute professional stand-up comedy performance. Uh, my opening act does about 30. I do about 45 to an hour. And um, if they want to just contact me with some venues where they'd love to see stand-up, um, I'm more than happy to, uh, to take those suggestions. And so uh, if they go right to my website, they can email me right through my website. My uh, email address is ADW. Uh, it's the first uh, – it's the initials of my name, ADW at AaronDavidWard.com. Cool. Well, I, I sincerely hope that it uh, that, that that we can get some people that uh, you know to, to come to your shows to to get more shows scheduled because I've seen your act and it is great, and um I, you know I I want to be able to do whatever I can to to forward your career, Aaron. Well, I really appreciate you having me on the show, uh, not just once but twice now, and I I would look forward to uh, to being on again. And uh, just let me know. Uh, I, I really appreciate the support greatly. And um, I always like talking uh, society, culture, and politics with a fellow libertarian. They're hard to find in New York, huh? Well, I'll tell you, in the rankings of liberty in the United States, in terms of the embrace of liberty, New York State is dead last. I guess that's why they call us the Empire State. Yes. Um, but there are libertarians here, especially in upstate New York. There are a lot of gun-toting, constitutional-abiding, uh, basically I want government to uh, guard the borders and otherwise stay out of my life uh, kind of folks here. And um, it's unfortunate that we're overrun and outnumbered by so many who are the antithesis of that. So um, I don't know. I, I, I'm thinking about building a small but rustic hunting cabin with a manual typewriter, but I think that's been done. <laughs> yes, just it has. Kidding. Whoever is listening, just a joke. Just a joke. It's <laughs> very funny. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Aaron David Ward at AaronDavidWard.com. Hey, thanks, Mark, and uh, Happy New Year to you and to all uh, Free Talk Live listeners. Excellent.